All right. I am I believe we are live. Welcome everybody to another brand spanking new episode of the Break the Rules stream. I am your humble, extremely humble with the library behind him host, Love Foliakov at Love Poe on Twitter. And we have a great panel for you today. Default friend has returned. Bad Billy Brad uh, Bad Billy Pratt has returned, not Bad Good Billy Pratt. <laughs> and of course, the great Giovanni Panacchietti. Bella. And we have uh, a newcomer to the BTR experience, Clive Thompson. It is a great pleasure to have you here, uh, author of Coders, The Making of a New Tribe and the Remaking of the World. And we are definitely going to be talking about the remaking of the world today through video game culture, something that people kind of put in the back of their minds as a hobby, something that uh, you know certain kinds of people do, but it is something that I think has a lot to do with the popular culture at hand more and more as these uh, divides that usually held uh, fast and true as far as what defines a gamer starts to dissipate, and the question is what happens then? So as an overall, uh, well, no, before the overall look, Clive, is there anything else you would like to uh, tell us about yourself uh, for those who don't know? No, uh, no that, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, well, I mean, you're also, uh, you're, you also write for the New York Times and uh, for- Oh, various... I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a journalist. I write for, uh, uh, I write for uh, several magazines. I write for the New York Times Magazine, contributing writer there. Um, I'm a columnist and- uh, contributing writer with uh, Wired. Uh, I'm a columnist with Smithsonian Magazine, uh, and I write for a few other places, um, uh, Mother Jones uh, and uh, and Medium. Uh, I have a, a blog three times a week at Medium, so you can find if you. That's probably the most common flow of words. ClydeThompson.Medium.com. Excellent, excellent. So, uh, Clive, let's actually start with you. Mm -hmm, I sure. would love to know uh, what you currently, well, before currently, what you right. see as the gamer culture of the past. And yeah, yeah. Where yeah. where do you see it going right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm like I'm really. I mean, I'm a I'm a old school gamer because I'm I'm 53. So I started playing games back in the video games back in the uh, in the late 70s and early 80s, right? Like um, like ranging from like Pong when Pong was like <laughs> like like a kind of a new thing, you know, um, to uh, you know Space Invaders and, and Pac Man when you got the early arcade explosion of like around the, the very early eighties, uh, and even and even a little bit on computers because um, you know uh, uh, my grade six teacher brought in his like he was like a hippie who hand built his own computer. Um, when you had to like order a kit and build it yourself and he got a copy of Zork, like the original Zork. So that's like, you know, you are standing in an empty field text adventure and he brought it into grade six and we sat around playing that. So I actually got to experience Zork in like, you know, the old, an old green screen computer. So, so, so I grew up with the first generation. I was part of the first generation of, of people who sort of didn't even call themselves gamers because that word didn't really exist yet, but for whom, you know, video games were like this absolutely all, uh, you know, all encompassing obsession, uh, you know, we, and, and to play them, you mostly had to go to the arcades, although, you know, we, you know, friends of mine started, you know, having, you know, the first generation of arcade systems, you know, video game systems like, you know, Atari 2600s and stuff like that. Um, and, and we also wrote our own video games because it was kind of the beginning of, of, um, of uh, personal computers, like, you know, where you could get like a Vic 20 or a TRS 80 and, you know, uh, Commodore 64, plug it into your TV. And one of the first thing, you know, it, it had no software, it just sat there with basic and you had to program it. And of course, what you did is you program games. That's how you taught yourself 
uh, to, um, to, to program. So, so it was like, so, so, so when I, when I think about, you know, the origins of gaming and kind of where it all came from, it, it was, it was really a, it was a deep subculture, right? You know, like this was not, this was not a, it, it was, it was regarded as a very, very nerdy thing. Like it was, it was not something you did if you were an, if you're a proper adult, it was, it was not something you did <laughs> if you, if you had any other social avenues available to you. Uh, it was, it was predominantly guys, uh, not a lot of uh, young girls or women in that, in that culture for a bunch of reasons we can talk. Uh, and, uh, uh, and it was, um, it, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun, but it was, it was definitely not, it wasn't as big in mass as it is now. Cause when you look at gaming today, it's become just a completely normal part of mass mainstream culture. Like it's, it's, it like, and it's kind of interesting that we can talk about this when it made that trend, when it started to make that transition, such that like playing games was now seen as something that kind of anyone did. Probably I, I would guess the mobile phone, but that's kind of where I'm coming from. That's my that's my background. I was part of that first generation of of mm. of, uh, of of gamers back when it was a really weird thing, mm. and went to an arcade to do it. Excellent. Well, I think one of the things that we can start with, and this is kind of the big elephant in the room as far as the uh, cultural divide that's currently yeah. going on right now, is the uh, double G word, Gamergate. And this is something right, yeah. that you wrote about in a brief. Could you give us uh, your opinion of what exactly transpired there? And I think that would be a good start to the conversation. Well, I, I, to be clear, I've never written about Gamergate myself. Uh, you did. Uh, in the coders, you wrote about Gamergate. Oh, gaming, br yeah, briefly though. I mean, like, like a couple of paragraphs. Yeah, I mean, like I, I can't say I've like done a like, huge amount of research into it, but, but I, I definitely followed it closely. So with Gamergate, so what game, what Gamergate happened? When Gamergate happened, I actually think. So I mentioned earlier that I said I think one of the things that really started to change the demographics of gaming was the mobile phone, and I think that's because suddenly, you know, before that, if you wanted to be a quote unquote gamer, if you want to play games a lot, you needed to buy hardware to do it. You know, you either had to have a console or you had to maybe, you know, build yourself a decent gaming computer, right? Um, and that meant that you actively sort of had to think of yourself as like, I'm going to play a lot of games. And so I'm gonna set aside some capital, some money to acquire these systems to do that. Um, and I think that I think that that's part of what made it like a, 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 a self-identified group that you opted to join, right? Um, and there's a bunch of reasons, you know, we can talk about why that was primarily guys. Um, when the, when the, when the, uh, when, when the mobile phone comes along, something starts happening, which is that like a device that's able to play games is suddenly in everyone's pockets, it, like demographically everywhere. Right. You know, uh, it, you know, you no longer have to actively think to yourself, I'm going to acquire a device that can play video games. It's just there. And the app store, you know, the, the, a lot of the early hits were all like simple games and here's a key thing they weren't crazy quote-unquote hardcore games you know like um they weren't uh they weren't like you know uh, uh you know uh, quake style shooters or stuff mm. like that right it was all like you know color matching games and stuff you know so yeah, like the, casual unquote, games yeah the quote-unquote casual games that have grown up under flash on the web right um flash <laughs> the web casual games the first thing that starts to really break open the category of gaming to a lot more people but the but the but the mobile phone treble charges it and um, and, and, and I think actually some of the seeds of what, what weirdly, some of the seeds of what turns into Gamergate come from there, because you've got a bunch of like these, you've got a bunch of these guys that regard gamer culture as something that is theirs. Uh, um, and they don't want any outsiders in they particularly don't want women and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and for a bunch of reasons, they, they, many of them, like a, a, a chunk of them, enough of them hold kind of reactionary ideas about women and reactionary ideas 
um, about about feminism. That um, once you start getting that culture opened up, it's really unsettles them. And with Gamergate, what you really got was a like a like a like a like a like a like a campaign uh, to try and you know attack several women that were that were actively trying to open up the the concept of what video games were right um to open it up like you know depression quest which is one of the first things that was attacked the, the creator which was attacked heavily in gamergate you know was was literally an attempt to say okay games actually could be something that have an expressive rhetorical quality so that that allow them to like you know like almost the way like an amazing um an amazing book or or poem or tv show explores really deep stuff games can do that i you know, i've been writing about by, uh, joanna quinn yeah exactly i've been writing about the expressive potential of video games for a long time so i was 100 percent thrilled by this i was like yes exactly these things have always had the ability to sort of talk in this broad way um, and to be these incredibly deep artistic experiences i think they already were but this opened up new areas and you know and and so you know like the 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 sort of rage against the presence of women and the and and uh, and feminist ideas in um coming into the video game world you know amongst these highly reactionary set of of gamers that decided to like mount this this brutal uh, you know harassment campaign you know that's that's part of what was going on i mean there's a lot of stuff going on in gamergate but i, I that's where i see part of it coming from have you heard of uh, and i want to get to default friend uh, next about this uh but have you heard of the hashtag not your shield yeah sure absolutely and uh what does that uh, mean to you um not your shield are, are we talking about in the context of like well uh, in of context gamergate? of yeah gamergate the that was what what was that again exactly? Default friend. Do you, uh, I think you may be able to take it from here. Yeah, yeah, take I, it I don't from know here. Because uh, yeah. I, 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 I remember it, but I, I don't, you know, like I said, I was not I was not deep enough reporting this. I, I don't want to screw up a description of this, basically. Um, is this like an anti-white knight thing? Like men are not oh, your... Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely remember the white knight conversation. Yeah. Well, as far as Gamergate goes, uh, that was definitely a part of it. If we're talking about uh, uh, Joanna Quinn, Depression Quest, I'm sure that there were definitely uh, people out there that uh, had some animus. But as far as the main issue, which goes to how gaming itself ended up changing as far mm. as gaming journalism and all that, Default Friend, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit more about uh, that part of it. Um, yeah, so like how it how it ended up changing or like what people's well positions let's were. yeah let's start originally with gamergate as far as what was the motive for people to go after uh, joanna quinn and depression quest and what were Wait, some you mean zoe quinn zoe like quinn joanna? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> my, my friend is actually named zo uh, joanna <laughs> quinn she's a great here. she's a great animator uh she's actually the one who created those uh charmin bears you remember the charmin bear commercial that was joanna's work no way. oh wow yeah, really huh. really talented animator but anyway yeah so with uh with zoe quinn depression quest what were some of the things that they felt was going on behind the scenes in the video game journalism industry that uh, Gamergate was uh, addressing and how much would you say was that versus the um, uh, anti uh, an anti-women sentiment that uh, Clive was talking about right so with Zoe it, it, you know it was the accusation that she was uh, selling her well not selling she was advertising her sexual wares in exchange for good uh, in exchange for, <laughs> for good reviews um, and then that was sort of like the underlying it you know it's not just Zoe it's just women come into these spaces and they know that they could use their sexual wiles to 
uh, gain any, you know, whether it good reviews or attention or access into spaces. Um, I mean, the, the complicated thing is like a lot of these guys, um, I'm going to balance out my pick me opinion with, you know, so, so <laughs> some wokeness here. But, uh, you know, a lot of these guys do uh, have a deep distrust of women and are, are, are misogynists. However, to their credit, women do, and you can see this with sort of the archetype of what the gamer girl has become. And if you, you hop on Twitch and what that has become, women do come into these spaces and it is, you know, they were initially spaces that were safe for one man and then two like kind of masculine or autistic women and prettier women or women who have, who are more sexual uh, game it and use that to, to get attention of, of all sorts of varieties. And I sympathize with people who find that, who find that frustrating, right? Like there is something real about that, but it's, I mean, do you stop it with a harassment campaign? Well, obviously they weren't successful. You know, it's even worse now. <laughs> yeah, they really won, I think, because like if you look at, okay, so let's go. Can I, sorry, sure. am I stepping anyone's no, toes? No, uh, go for well, it. Well, I would push back on the harassment narrative to say that I think Gamergate started off with a bunch of like primarily YouTubers from the new atheist movement who weren't particularly right wing, but rather they were just nerds and they um, wanted to protect what they saw as an authenticity to their like gamer culture or whatever. But I would say that as time went on, you do have people to the right. I mean, I was one of them, obviously, who had, um, saw an opportunity in it because it really did become a culture war. And then you had people within it that denied the fact that it was a culture war issue, sticking point or shelling point. People like Sargon, they tried to play this little game where, no, no, it's not about a culture war. It's about ethics and gaming journalism. Which is, <laughs> ethics of and gaming journalism. Bullshit, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so what happened was later on, you did have some degree of harassment. I will not deny that. But I think that a lot of it was the the other side was able, whether it's Anita or Zoe or whatever, they were able to really harness the power of the media to like demonize a lot of these guys or like whether it was people like, I don't know. Well, he had, we had uh, Kathy Young on this podcast, actually. People like her who later defected. And it was just a huge mess because what happened was all Anita and Zoe had to do was wait. Because all of the Isla, most of them, except for Sargon and a few of them, except for Daddy Jim, uh, Mr. Medicare, they had to wait because all of these E-celebs that became very prominent during this time basically destroyed themselves. David Serini destroyed himself. Um, who else hmm. am I thinking of here? Yeah. All of them are gone now. All of them. Because either they got banned or hmm. they became drunk off of their own clout or so forth. But that's a side issue. I think what happened with Gamergate was it was a huge sort of watermark shelling ticks of the next probably few decades that we're in right now. Um, and I know people, they like to basically make this, you know, people in the media, they like to make this chain where, you know, Gamergate caused the alt-right, the alt-right caused Trump. I think it's kind of like suspicious, but there's something to it, but not really because I, I think people, they sort of on the one end inflate the power that Gamergate had but on the other end, they sort of deny um, how it really kind of was a turning point, mm. at least in terms of the Internet converging with political life to such a degree. It was really one of the first, not the first, there was online movements before, but I think it was the first effective online movement to, to the point where it, re, um, sorry, to the point where it rose to a mainstream level. Um, and whether the, I, I, I truly think they were a failure from my perspective anyways. Because they didn't really accomplish much. I mean, the game industry is worse than it's ever been. Well, so, I mean, I mean, yeah. they accomplished 
an enormous amount of harassment against a bunch of women. <laughs> no, I, mean, like, I, mean, I, I don't know. No, 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 no that, that stuff was real. I saw it. It was brutal. It was dehumanizing. It was completely denied by an enormous amount of people. I mean, like people like, you know, you mentioned Nita Sarkeesian. I mean, I've seen some of the stuff that she got. It is absolutely loathsome. Now, I don't know how many people But everyone people on the was. internet, I think. No, 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 not, no, not even remotely true. I have a reasonable amount of followers. I got 41,000 followers. I have never in 13 years on Twitter received anything even remotely close to that. So I think it is absolute nonsense to say that it didn't accomplish anything and that it didn't have any effect. And this was small stuff uh, or that they had to wait around for it to vanish. They couldn't wait around. They, like their, their at replies were utterly useless for days and weeks on end because of the scale of abuse they were getting. But Clive, no, but I mean, in terms oh, of the uh, actual uh, people Bola. involved in Gamergate, a lot of them were like they're gone now. They're yeah. Anita yeah, won. Uh, Anita got to make her speech yeah. at the UN. Well, I, I mean, mean, that's that's kind of a <laughs> you know, kind of like, a pyrrhic victory. I mean, like it, it, it I, 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 I don't know what no, to but tell the, you. I mean, the question like, here like, is there was a comment uh, earlier on, and I definitely want to get to uh, bad Billy Pratt as well. Yeah, there was sorry, a there was a comment uh, earlier on, uh. People in Gamergate literally donated money to an organization to get women in game development. The name of the organization was Find Young Capitalists. So the oh, thing, yeah, the thing that I want to look at here, and I think this is the most important thing, is that we are living in the political landscape and we're always going to have people who are, as I would say, like political opportunists. People who exist in any era who come in and who claim to be a voice of a generation. They get lots of money, they get lots of contracts, lots of deals with various NGOs, and these are the people that are propped up. Then you have other people that go against them, but they use the shield of whether it's gender, sexual identity, things of that nature, to get away with uh, certain things that other people like online... Uh, uh, give, give me some examples. Of, I mean, okay, well, so, Anita, yes. Anita Sarkeesian having a Patreon where she's making a ton of money for if I recall correctly, not producing the amount of videos that she promised. I mean, Anita was able to parlay all of the harassment, which I'm willing to believe was real, to a ton of money. I mean, there is that side of it. Like, and you hold, know, hold, hold, hold it, are you saying she didn't produce, she's produced a mountain of videos. I remember, you may be right. I remember the meme being that she didn't produce what she was. Uh, okay, you promised. remember a meme. I don't care well, if you remember a meme. I want to know what the facts were. No, no, she she had this long form project that she was going to release, but but then I, I mean I don't know. At the same token, there were people like uh, Irini that wanted to release that t terrible documentary on Anita that didn't come to anything because of infighting. But that's another. No, it's not so issue. much about it's not so much I'd say about the work that's released. It's more about post Gamergate. How exactly do we define ourselves as far as the people who are on one side versus the people who are on another side? So, for example. I think that one of the most important things in any culture, Clive, and I think you'll agree with me, is ridicule culture. Things like South Park, for instance. Fools, jesters that could come in and make fun of sacred cows. What I find today in various aspects mm -hmm. of, I guess you could call it high, I wouldn't call it high culture. I would call it culture, uh, coastal culture. I would call it the uh, upper managerial class culture. You know, New Yorker magazine, things of that nature. Within that culture, whenever mm. any uh, anything is brought up that ridicules sacred cows, 
people start panicking, people start getting extremely emotional because I think that there's just been this infection that took people over. And I see Gamergate as being something that prompted a lot of this uh, infection in terms of occurring. And then you have people on the other side who in what, turn what, what start... Secret, what, what secret cows are we talking about here? Well, uh, let's see. Um, Billy Pratt, what would you say are the big sacred cows here that today uh, are, uh, you know, uh, not allowed to be infringed upon? Um, like the sacred cows of, of like gaming tropes? Get, well, gaming tropes, but also media in general, as far as what distinguishes people who, let's say, would be more in the, uh, you know, in the uh, rebellious category versus people who are in more of the mainstream category. Um, I mean, there are a set of rules that you are supposed to follow if you're if you're a mainstream kind of talking head. And I think that that's why they hate the anonymous Internet so much, because there are no rules suddenly. Like, so like what, outside of um, what, what, what rules? <laughs> All right. For, let, let's let's throw one out here. You no, can't. No, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, 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 I definitely believe that there are protocols, and norms, and communities. I'm not, I'm not. No, I'm not no, but I think it's I, rather like this is the first time where the anon internet actually had a direct impact, or one of the first times. Sorry, default or Billy or well, default friend. Let's go with default friend first. So here, here's a sacred cow. You, so there is this real thing that these, you, you know, this quote unquote like harassment campaign was calling out, which is. Women do come into male-dominated spaces, and they they want attention. And that it's you know it's anybody's guess if that's good or bad, but that's real. You can't talk about that in even a neutral uh, hold on, hold on. way. Are, are you saying that women, that the great majority of women that wanted to get into gaming, that's were, a, there, that's a, that's were, 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 were there just for attention? Um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, okay. That's yeah. No. No. I, 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 I wasn't accusing. You. I was trying to make sure I understand what you're saying. So. So. So, so you're saying there were there were there were there were there were some women that got in just for attention, you know, sort of. An, and even if it's uh, not just for attention, it's that it's it's just it's something that 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 women do in the same in the same way that like you right. know Johnny Football Hero might be like uh, you know a little bit might lead on some like you know fat chick who's like really good at math or something like these are mm -hmm. tropes because they actually happen mm -hmm. and. That doesn't mean that everyone involved is evil. It's but we, we're not really allowed to call out these social dynamics that it's okay to be upset by, right? Hold it. I don't think I think it's even remotely true that you can't call those out. In fact, one of the things feminism's been trying to do for like thirty or forty years is examine the ways in which people get judged and rewarded by their appearance. Basically, I mean, I don't think I. You know, I would love if feminism spoke in a serious way about. Um, about the way that some women can, you know, move up the ranks and, um, you know, again, like game it, but it, they really don't like what feminist, what mainstream feminism has done, um, has tried to expand the definition of beauty instead of de-emphasize beauty and sexuality and say like, we don't, you don't need to do this. Right. It's, it's instead it said, everyone's a bimbo, everyone's hot, you know, use the, use the guy, men are trash. And that's, that's not all feminism. I know there's many different varieties of it, but that's the feminism that's mainstream. And popular. Yeah. Is, is, is that actually true? I mean, give me some names here. Who are we talking about? I mean, take, this is, but this is, this is what gets represented in the media, well, like, like pop, you know, pop liberal feminism. Right, exactly. I, again, again, examples, names. You guys are speaking generally. Well, okay. like you know, fat acceptance would be probably like the biggest. Uh, sure. Thing biggest. There. I mean, 
Oh, shut, shut up. I could say that. I have a right to. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, according to some Finnish yeah. people, I'm a fat, yeah. disgusting. H- healthy, Anyways. healthy out of these things like that. <laughs> no, no, I think that, um, no, I think what Default is saying is that there was, I think, in the 1990s, you did have a lot of feminism that did probably want to de-emphasize the sort of, I, w- I mean, it's a very oh. misappropriated term, but like, let's call it the male gaze. You had um, mm-hmm. Naomi Wolf's uh, work on the beauty industry. You had no logo and so forth. But as time went on, mm-hmm. I think that the rather yeah. the expansion of what the beauty standard is, is probably what leads into things like the quote unquote aesthetic of the gamer girl. I think that was a powerful force. And like, it, it's very contrast to um, mm. one of my good friends who is anonymous writer. Uh, she talks, her name is uh, impossible princess. She talks about the experience of being a woman on the early internet when everything was largely anonymous as opposed yeah. to nowadays and default, you talk about this a lot. And I think that what happened was you had anonymous women posters on the internet, but they were, of a typical socioeconomic, and I would say, um, how shall I put this? They were a particular class and they were very much into the confessional writing and things of that nature. But as time went on, I think that as as gaming culture became mainstream, the emphasis on a whole new market base became mainstream. And with that, and of course, like you said, the mobile game. Now I will say that the problem is there is a lot of sort of like, what would you call it? Stereotypically like incel misogyny, around these issues obviously like you know the e-girl is evil no e-girls never but of course well i I view that with suspicion because that's i'm not going to get into that but let's just say that there is sort of a hermeneutics of suspicion around women in predominantly male spaces for good and bad reasons obviously so i mean i mean like like, uh, you know like i think it's useful to sort of take this folk i mean I, i i'm not sure why we're talking when we talk about women in gaming we're only talking about sort of um Twitch streamers, you know, that, you know, uh, you know, that sort of vamp up their appearance because like, that's not most women in gaming. Right. And, and if you, but, but if you actually talk about most women in gaming, you know, like the picture gets actually kind of interesting because, you know, um, in many cases, you know, you can find, you know, women who, you know, I think increasingly find uh, a completely a lot easier to get accepted in gamer culture because it becomes much bigger. Right. You know, like their friends play games, you know, so the, the, it, it's not, you know, it's, it's simply less, you know, uh, I think in, in a good way, it's less it's less sort of clash than it used to be. And so, you know, if people are throwing it down on Xbox or women, there's men there, it's actually that's that's actually, I think, really terrific in a lot of ways. Um, but there's this, you know, honestly, still a surprising amount of just, you know, like literally third. Thir- I mean, I, I wrote a story about Minecraft a couple of years ago, which you would actually think would be like literally one of the nicest, sweetest cultures. I mean, it's, it's Minecraft, right? Everyone's, you know, building blocks and stuff. Um, and, 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 you know, frequently that, you know, you know, that was perfectly true. I talked to, so you know, I, I interviewed dozens and dozens of kids that played it, you know, we're talking in ages from like nine to like 18. Um, and, you know, you know, it, it, it was probably, it, it's a small sample. I, so I can't, I can't say it's scientifically, you know, you know, you know, you know, huge in any particular way, but you know, a, a significant, I guess, maybe, you know, half of the girls I spoke to, you know, I just, you know, I just learned to sort of deal with just habitually being, uh, you know, you know, sexually called out uh, or uh, harassed you know, they show, they show up in a, in a multiplayer world and someone's written bitch and blocks and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, and, and, and this is not even a world where they even have a cam on, like they literally just have their, their, their tag on their name just happens to have a female thing. So, you know, again, you know, not, not a uniform experience, but like, 
I think it feels like if we want to talk about the experience of women in gaming is, I, I don't know why we're talking just about a bunch of influencers, basically, because they're a statistically mm -hmm. tiny minority of the, of the people who are playing games. Well, we have influencers on the one hand, like the Twitch girls that we were uh, talking about. On the other yeah. hand, you have the uh, girls who game, who I wouldn't even call quote-unquote gamer girls. I would just say that they are gamers. <laughs> yeah, they're and, just gamers, yeah, exactly. So yeah. if yeah. I was, for example, yeah. at a comedy festival where I would be around the guys and girls as well, and everybody would be ribbing into each other, you know, making fun of each other, and there is something about that that I think unites people, where we can yeah. actually openly speak about the various differences and make fun of them, uh, you know, same thing with like various racial differences, various customs, when people are allowed to criticize and make fun of each other with those things. Again, something like South Park, for example, I find that it actually brings people together. What I do find, though, and this has been repeated often within yeah. a lot of the anonymous communities, is that you would have a certain industry of people who really, really like the con particular culture within the industry. There would be maybe more guys than girls, fine. But mm. regardless, there is a specific industry. Then the industry gets infiltrated not by mainstream people. It would get infiltrated by uh, left-leaning activists who don't have any desire at all to be part of this culture. They want to take the culture, they want to mold it into their own image, and they want to kick the people who were originally part of the culture out. Yeah, and I give, think today, give, me, give me some give me some examples again. I, I, I don't again, want to talk I, well, I think somebody like Anita Sarkeesian would be one example of it. Uh, do, do, so, you really, do you really think she was she was just trying to invade the culture and and destroy it? Well, I, don't I, think I, I, I mean, because honestly, because when I looked at those videos, they struck me as like. It's kind of funny. I remember when they first came along, I was like, you know, and people were saying these are like these these savage takedowns of gamer culture. And I looked at them and <laughs> they were the most anodyne, um, like absolutely non-radical, completely by the I numbers, mean, the middle of the road, like, feminist analysis of, of games. I mean, I was like, people are freaking out about this. What are they what are they talking about? But Catherine? The, the problem is that like the, it, multiple things are true, right? Like there is a lot of harassment and a lot of, you know, a lot of women who have a higher profile in these communities are mistreated. But at the same time, uh, you know, and there are overreactions, right? Like there is just a skepticism of women, I think because there's so few, few male spaces and the gatekeeping feels sort of like a necessary evil to a lot of people. Um, I, I, but... I, by the way, I'm going to say there are not so many few male places. I'm a, ma I'm a man. I've been living in the world for 53 years. There are tons of male spaces. <laughs> that, that is an Well, no, I mean, card. I think the culture well, in let, general has Well, fine. Let's just be, let's just be yeah, fair yeah. over here. If we're, we keep... we're both living in New York City. There, there are so many safe spaces for men that No, no Clive, Clive, I, let's I, be clear. I, we're living in New York City. There is no safe space for people today who, let's say, would be, for example, Trump supporters in New York City. Just as that's an example. Not that's not even remotely true. My next door neighbor is a Trump supporter. Well, fi well, finally, it's being and, brought and, and out. Staten Island is crawling with them. Okay, Staten well, no, Island. I think that Staten when Island it comes is Staten to... Island. Well, yeah, Staten. Well, well, that's... All, all, no, but Clyde, Clyde all, let's be all, honest. All, all the, like most of the rich people of Manhattan voted. <laughs> but they're not going to say it. They're not going to say it, Clive. You know, no, they're not. No, everything you're saying is wrong. My son worked for a campaign, political campaign. He helped. He helped do, you know, leafletting on the streets. Uh, for like six months, 
and he talked to and so you're just asking people yes and like a significant chunk uh minority of people republicans who told him he was like a brainwashed uh liberal uh and they were they were happy to talk about in private in private so, so, life no no, no in no, private this is this isn't in private this is yes, on the is. streets of new york to a stranger it's not the same if you're speaking well, no, no, on the stranger, a lot of people no no, here no, no i gotta Trump say something here i gotta the, say something here mm -hmm. clive if you're speaking on the street with a stranger it is not the same thing as speaking at a party with your co-workers and your boss and people I, who are going to fire you I think we, if you we, say we, the we wrong thing clive you know we're talk. living you know we're living in an age of censorship right now especially on the coasts love i don't know man I think you're I think you're being uh, uh, overly general uh, about about well, a comp. Maybe. Clive, I go to the National Arts Club. You know that I notice these things. You know that they're there. But anyway, <laughs> default friend. <laughs> I, I, my only point was that it's like both things are true, and I think what really triggers um, these hate campaigns, which, by the way, Clive, I certainly not at the level what of... What triggers the hate campaigns is misogyny that goes back hundreds <laughs> of years. It's, it's, it's oh, radiantly God, obvious. Why are you talking over the female guest? <laughs> right? Like, I was going to say, oh. I, I, not to this, obviously not to the scale of Zoe Quinn or Anita Sarkeesian, but I have been, I have been chased off the internet so many times that it's like a joke but i mean geo Deep knows better than fed. me <laughs> but, you know i have had yeah. people show up at my house like it is no like it's not just people are like oh you're fat you're ugly it's like it rises to the level of like i have a police reports open in four different states at this point mm -hmm. i am aware of how these hate campaigns work and i know yeah. i get less you know less than a fourth of what these women receive however there is a, and what triggers that hate campaigns is not just a woman existing, it's the feeling that they're trying to infringe on a safe male space. And it's a form of gatekeeping to keep the, the space safe. Is that appropriate? You know, again, that's anybody's guess. Who knows? No, hold on, but, but, but let's, but I just want to go back to Anita here. She was putting out a bunch of videos that said absolutely like, like middle of the road, not very non-radical. Uh, ideas about gender roles in games. Something that, like, that, you know, uh, 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 it, it, it's, it's, it's so, so utterly anodyne. And for that, she got death threats. At, like, I mean, like, that does, that's not gatekeeping. That's not me. That's not people saying, we don't want you here because you're, because they're saying, we don't want to even entertain these ideas, which are completely, even if you disagree with them, they're fairly who anodyne was, Here's ideas. the question. Who was I selling the no, death I threats? No, I will agree with you, Clive. I think that some of the original videos, now that I go back on them, I do think that they were mild in that, hmm. um, I think there was probably an attempt, maybe not in media as this sophisticated, but I think that there was an attempt to apply literary criticism to a medium such as a video game, which hadn't really had an academic lens up until that point. But I think like what people latched onto is some of them, like maybe not Anita. Let's get let's get yeah. rid of Anita. Let's let's focus on. I think the response, what happened after with um, going back and going back and forth. I think like there were probably a lot of radicals that um, you know, after the Gamergate thing happened. Um, I don't know. I just think that the discourse itself devolved into like tribal factions and it's like, you know, here, mm. here's this East celeb battling this East celeb. And then of course, after Gamergate, we had internet blood sports, um, which was like terrible and not productive. And, mm. uh, by the way, Lev, um, speaking of gamers, gamer, the gamer Gator Gator has now officially left Ethan Ralph. Oh no. Ethan gotta, Ralph is alone. We gotta get him on. We gotta Jenny. get the Gator on. Yes. We have to get mm. Gator on. No, but I uh, think, gator, I think this, <laughs> I think this talks to but, a bigger um, issue though. Like, uh, 
to uh, put this uh, a bit aside, the Gamergate itself, and focus more on what happened uh, afterwards, what's happening right now. So if we're talking about... I have another schizophrenia. Okay, uh, hold on. Yeah. If, if, we're, if we're talking about journalism in general and uh, the thing that people were pointing to, this inner community of journalists who were inside of Gamergate that were making up their minds about particular games, like which ones they're going to promote, which ones they're not going to promote. This is the thing that freaks a lot of people out, Clive, because when they think of the media, when they think of the New York Times mm. and all these mm -hmm. journalist publications, the thing that they are the most afraid of is that this is the establishment. This is the blue empire, and these sure. are the people mm -hmm. who are going to look up, you know, uh, put up their noses at people, tell them what they are and aren't allowed to think. And I think, Clive, you mm. notice that there is this backlash against the journos today. I think there is a connection between that at Gamergate, but another connection with something called a Tumblr, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yeah, sure. So, default friend, you are a resident Tumblr expert. How do you see something like Tumblr influencing the kind of culture that <laughs> we are in today? I remember that summer, actually, the, between 20... It was 2014 yes. or... And specifically main, mainstream, mainstream culture as well. So the so, so the funny thing about Tumblr and then also, you know, of course, 4chan and Reddit, and I just just as a quick disclaimer, I'm carrying the torch of Angela Nagel. This isn't, you know, some, this isn't a theory I invented or anything. But um, <laughs> they what happened was and Clive, I'm sure you, you'll agree with this um, a, a little bit before Gamergate, um, digital publications start slashing budgets and you have all these freelancers who are writing for pennies. And they're scraping content from these platforms. And Tumblr. So, so, uh, they're scraping, you mean, like, they're just like they're repurposing stuff they find online to make a story. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And there's, yeah. and you know, this, 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 um, this was actually like the way it happened specifically with Tumblr is very well documented. Um, like PBS and the New York Times both had, both at the, like in 2012, were like, oh, fuck, like we need to, like, make sure junior you know, more junior writers aren't just going to tumblr invent like seeing one or two people saying something outlandish inventing a community around it and writing about it just yeah, like vice did that the vice was the master of that but but what but what ended up happening right is like it created this weird feedback loop so um the a really again like really well documented example and one of my favorites is um, with BuzzFeed. So Buzz, BuzzFeed wrote an article about homies, which were hybristophiles who thought that, uh, I think his name was James Holmes, the Aurora shooter was hot. Well, it turned out oh, it was God. like half a joke. There was like four posts about it, but they wrote about it as though it was a big, a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And then it actually created the community. And <laughs> a lot, a lot of like, the miners, <laughs> right? And a lot of the more outlandish, um, outlandish like excesses of, of wokeness if you if you look back, there is no long history of them being vibrant communities. There's they're, they're like weird things that were on Tumblr for a whole host of reasons that you know mm -hmm. like you could write a whole book about yeah. um, that got pulled into the mainstream. And the problem is this happened with like behaviors too, not just communities. Um, another like really interesting example, and again, well documented, not my own finding, not my own theory, is with the whole Oberlin cultural appropriation disaster, right? Mm -hmm. Like that was the product of something of of a Tumblr attitude and an underpaid journalist and a story that was a little bit weird getting misinterpreted and blown up and turn in, turned into clickbait. I, I, don't, I don't think I remember that one. What happened? Okay, so what happened was um, 
cultural appropriation was just sort of it, it obviously it had been a real concept for a long time but it was really since bubbling. the 80s at least yeah right it was really bubbling on tumblr and everything was cultural appropriation like you can't and it was really yeah. present in fandom right um and you know a lot of journalists are are heavy tumblr users and they're internalizing a lot of these things at the same time um a student in oberlin writes a pretty like you know milk toast article about how uh, the cafeteria is serving banh mi, but it's really just a sandwich. And it was for a class. And, you know, she she does some, some you know, quote unquote, like investigation. She mm -hmm. discovers that actually they do this with a lot of different foods. And so it gets like posted to Facebook or something. And then what happens is a journalist sees this Oberlin article and then writes about the article through the lens of this attitude that's very prevalent online, um, but did not necessarily exist in that particular situation. And then it turns into this national conversation about cultural appropriation. But you see that happen again and again and again throughout the 2010s. And uh, can we get, I wanted to get Billy in um, because you come mostly from uh, manosphere fame. <laughs> in fact, I was reading your blog back in like what, 2015. It's 2015. Yeah. And uh, I think from your perspective, do you remember the Gamergate discourse? And do you remember when specifically from like one of the most, I would say, like hated fan, like fandoms on the internet? And we'll, we we'll want to get to fandom because Default Friend has a theory in fandom that we could run by Clive. So from your perspective at that time, what do you what did you make of the Gamergate thing? And what did you make of like Internet, like e-politics in general? Um, yeah. Um, you know, I think the Gamer thing was... At the uh, at the heart of it, angry incels, um, and you could talk about whether <laughs> they. I mean, the, the I mean, hey, that's true. It's true. The, the, the joke at the time was the. I mean, the um, ethics in journalism. You know, that was kind of like it became a meme because it was just such a ridiculous cover for <laughs> being angry at a, a a woman using you know whatever whatever it takes to kind of. Uh, get to get to what what end she wants to accomplish um but yeah um i feel like it just wasn't something that could possibly have legs because at the end of the day the gamer is a consumer and consumers just don't win it's like gamers are you know addicted to their substance of choice right they're electronic of choice and how long are they going to be catered to? I mean, things are going to gradually change until it doesn't really resemble what, what they were trying to protect. Um, are they going to still be on the line? Are they going to still be buying the product? I, probably. So what, what is it? I mean, they, they kind of lucked out for it taking place when it did. I don't think anyone saw it coming or was ready for it or even understood internet culture or thought it mattered. And things are changed, you know, so much five or six years later that, and anything like that is just going to be shut down immediately, clamped down. Yeah. Um, there would be uh, kind of more, more united front against it. I, I have two theories and then I want to get to Clive. One is that I think the excesses of the late term Obama administration, like around, like I would say 2013 when the Supreme court handed a bunch of victories. And there was also like cultural things like the Bristol Palin, uh, What's politically correct term for child out of wedlock? Not the B word, but you know. Um, there was that. There was a bunch of other things. There was, of course, the marriage issue. I think that was partially re responsible. There was sort of like NRX probably had something to do with it a little bit because the blogger sphere is going heavy. But also I think that 
the, what happened in 2014 with the 4chan versus Tumblr trolling war, that probably was like the spark that lit the, you know, the cantina of gasoline. But also there was this other theory. I got to shout out one of my friends on Twitter, uh, Navin Hulbeck, who has this elaborate theory that basically the gaming industry, there was like a lot of, uh, let's call it glow in the dark activity involved where they were using Gamergate to basically suppress a lot of Japanese outlets from creating like more, more of a Western front in that they would mostly focus on like Western culture, identity politics at the behest of like these Japanese platforms that were producing some of the most innovative video games mm-hmm. in the world. Right. And you could see this too, cause I come from a, you know, a love of a, I'm a pro wrestling fan. So Billy, you know, this, uh, what happened with new Japan, when, uh, the elite became their marquee in the West, right. They, they formed AEW, right. Because that basically cut the Japanese expansion for, uh, you know, professional wrestling. So I think like in some ways, Gamergate, there were, like, I remember reading those threads where people were talking about there's glow in the darks, there's FBI, you know, feds, there's, you know, mm. people that are infiltrating. But I think, like, when you talk about online movements, I think there is maybe not a degree of outright subversion, but there probably is, like, something to it. There probably is, like, you know, at least a few bad actors who are, quote unquote, monitoring the situation. I mean, I'm not going to name names, but one of them has become an FBI informant after the whole, uh, one of those rallies i think it was seville i don't know but hmm. I, there was a lot of different things going on that produced this sort of miasma of culture war only now almost 100 percent based online uh and i i don't know i think hmm. it's uh yeah so 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 it it, it, it... Uh, you're saying that some of Gamergate was like um, infiltration by CIA people and stuff like that, or you know, well, Russian not just CIA people, what? but yeah. I think that there were there were probably bad actors that are using it to their advantage. Obviously, entirely yeah. possible. I mean, I think personally, the Occam's Razor works pretty well in this one. I mean, I've been around gaming culture since the '80s. There's a lot of uh, nerds uh, that uh, are pretty sexist, and uh, and that turned out to be like a a powerful example of it. I, but it's, but it's also seem, it, 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 it does, doesn't seem complicated regardless of who is behind the scenes I tend to also believe Occam's razor because that's the easiest thing to believe but who, regardless of whoever is behind the scenes it's very interesting to note the cultural divide here between a more Japanese culture if you will because if you take a look at 4chan for instance what is 4chan? 4chan was created from 2channel by Christopher Poole aka Moot and 2channel is the Japanese forum anime incredibly popular there and you would notice that a lot of people who are on the right they tend to go more towards anime than to something like a lot of the western cartoons (laughs) and in a way in a way i think that what they see in a lot of western entertainment and again i don't want to overgeneralize here but the direction that they see things going both video games and beauty commercials and adverts you remember you would have like the uh, slim looking woman in 2009 be replaced by this uh, fat lady uh on the on the billboard uh for uh, some um, uh, health company or whatever. So I think they see it as being like Harrison uh, Bergerson uh, by Kurt Vonnegut. Clive, are you familiar with uh, Harrison Bergerson? Not really, no. So, okay, so Harrison Bergerson is a dystopia. In the year 2081, the uh, Constitution dictates that all Americans are fully equal and not allowed to be smarter, better looking, or more physically able than anybody else. So that's Mm -hmm. the general outline of it. And I think the concern that a lot of people have is... uh, Sorry, Gio? It was written by Ray Bradbury? No, 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 uh, Kurt Vonnegut. 
Vonnegut, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think the concern that people have when they look at the way that Western gaming culture and Western culture in general is going is they are concerned about certain social engineering attempts to equalize everything where people can't make fun of each other, where people can't stand up and uh, you know show themselves off to be uh, better. And that is a very dystopian thing, especially for somebody uh, I, like myself I, I, I from the I, USSR. I lost track of how we got onto this subject. How does this relate to what we're talking about? It, <laughs> it relates extremely to gamer culture because as far as the kind well, they, of... Yeah. Well, they view it like they view a lot of Japanese culture as being like either free of North American political concerns or having like what they view as like the perfect uh, neotenous female ultra feminine aesthetic, which I think is kind of suspect in my opinion. No, I mean, I have a fr lot of friends who are into anime, but I think like, well, I mean, deep friend, you talk about this a lot too, with like even the Tumblr crowd had that with like the waif ethereal aesthetic. I think like what attracts video games in terms like Japanese video games and anime to a lot of, especially like people on the right in North America is obviously like they have a concern for like a peak aesthetic. That is like veneration of beauty or some kind of like ultra feminine. Yeah. Idea. yeah. <laughs> which, which yeah. historically has never turned out well. Right. I mean, well. <laughs> uh, you know, like yeah. uh, 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 political the, cultures that, that valorize uh, the, rena clean, the clean Renaissance and clean lines of modernism and vorticism and Nietzscheism did not work out terribly well in the, in the middle of the. No, but what about, oh. the, but what about the Renaissance Clive? If you compare the dopey looking medieval paintings to the works of Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and Donatello and Raphael. Well, that was a process love. That was, yeah. Uh, also, also, actually, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd call those medieval paintings dopey, man. I think medieval, medieval. No, here, right. here's the interesting on that one. Here's the uh, interesting uh, thing about the medieval paintings: they look at you in a very critical way. If you ever go to the Met, there is one particular painting I remember where the Madonna is looking down at you like it would have looked down at the cathedral at people in this very, um, you know, in this like I am so powerful and you are these mere mortals who should bow down to me. And I think that there is this element of um, what do you call arrogance that people perceive in these uh, so-called social engineers where when you were asking well, what is this that yeah. comes from med that comes from a medieval that it was a medieval yeah a medieval thing yeah that, you that, could, that you they have see an the arrogant feeling they do, yeah I have no idea what you're talking about man all right can, I'm gonna you, have you, to can, yes I'm can, gonna have to load amplify up that, that before me yes I'm gonna have to load up that image but uh, the idea that I'm getting to here is that people don't like this feeling that they get of now we are going to be indoctrinated in these various SJW beliefs, like critical race theory, for example, why a lot of parents want to get their kids out of school right now, right? So when it happens to uh, come to the parents, notice that these things are going on, they're starting to take action. And what happens? You have the FBI going against their parents right from the government. And what do people think when they see something like that? Oh, my I, God, I, I, the government is out to get you, us for opposing these things. What? what? strong examples do we have of the FBI going after parents? Uh, you know, I, I understand that there were concerns about the parents that were making violent threats at, uh, at, at, at no, school No, they board, started... Which, which, they, which, which is actually something law enforcement really ought to look into. No, they, because they the, started the, the watching... Because some of those school board things have become like filled with like literal death threats, right? No, there was a proposal... Well, I think to... we're getting off topic. <laughs> no, I well, think... Okay. I, I mean, no, no, I, I just want to ground what we're talking about sure, in, sure, in sure. actual... 
what's no, actually well, the happening. core. I think the core of what we're talking. I don't talking think the FBI is going after any parents that are just thinking. Hmm, there, no, no, I don't like. To no, 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 theory. no. There was an attempt to do that. There was an attempt for there to be this, uh, you know, uh, this going into these uh, school board meetings and keeping an eye on the parents who voice dissent, and that is what people don't like. And that well, what, like, it, 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 give me some receipts here. What are we talking about? All like, right. Me... Hold on. Hold on. Let me find the receipts. But while I'm finding the receipts, Bad Pully Pratt, do you have anything to say about this? Well, I mean, if we were just so off topic, I just wanted to clarify what what are Gamer Gators trying to protect? Because I feel like we're kind of yes. fluctuating between um, like a culture of like open speech. And I, I guess that would be like to each other on the Internet or over like some kind of like Xbox Live headset. Or is it that the games themselves are changing? Mm, true. Oh, <laughs> Xbox Live. Oh, God. I, I, guys, I haven't played a video game in, in a long, long time. But I just wonder what, what it is we're talking about. Because I know that there's a limited number of AAA studios. And if they're talking about the, those, those big budget games, which there are only going to be so many of, kind of like getting watered down as far as... Because from what I could tell, it's still you know, the protagonist kills a thousand people and that's your video game. And um, they almost like uh, are, that's very common. Yeah, it, it, it certainly doesn't seem to me that, that much has, you know, that much has been watered down or, or destroyed. And I mean, gaming culture, this is sort of one of the things I found kind of um, baffling about the, uh, the surface arguments of, uh, of Gamergate because uh, uh, I, you know, I just, I, I've been playing Halo, uh, you know, for the last week and I've been having plenty of time you know, uh, achieving, uh, you know, war criminal levels of, of homicides. I'm just, you know, in there killing like mad. It's, <laughs> there's guts in the ceiling. Uh, it's, uh, so it, I, have a, it, I have a friend who's a, um, who's a gaming journalist and, you know, I, I've wanted to have him on my podcast. Now, if I know you're not familiar with me, Clive, but I'm not, I'm not like super right wing or anything. I'm not really that provocative. I'm like, I'm so, I'm so much of a centrist. It's almost like a joke about how much mm. of a centrist I am. And he is fearful to go on my show and to speak his mind um, because the the culture that he's working in is right. so left wing. And, and by left wing, I think he just means so like concerned with political correctness. And of course, I'm not, you know, it's his his livelihood's more important than having him on mm -hmm. my, you know, bullshit podcast or whatever. Right. Um, but. I think that's what people, that's one part of what people were afraid of. I don't, I, was it like that before? I don't know. Probably not. Um, but like how, you know, how far does that extend? Does that attitude exist at like conferences? If, if, you know, people are conventions, if people are, are going to them, does it exist in like, uh, do, you know, what is the moderation like on games, uh, do, you know, different streaming platforms. And I think that's not the whole issue, but that's one, one piece of it. So what does he want to say that he can't say? I think it's just generally just like, you know, I have like a, I, because I, you know, I don't have the, the best filter in the world. It's, it's like, I don't neatly fit into one box or the other. So it could be a little bit provocative for the community. Like I'm not provocative in any real sense, but for the particular community that he's in, I am. I mean, like, it, it, that that could be true. I mean, I, I uh, all I'm saying is the 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 concerns about dystopia that y'all seem to be worried about being here just do not seem to match, you know, realities. I can as I can see it. Uh, um, I I definitely think that um, that I mean I'm not even sure gaming culture has changed all that much. You know, I mean, like definitely maybe there's 
less, you know, sort of obviously Lara Croftian dimensions of some of the women. Uh, maybe, maybe there is. Uh, I'm not even sure what. I mean, like, like, uh, can we point to any major changes? Well, there, in, there in, are in, like, in, in, in in games that 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 that, that, that well, that there is a conscious effort to like descale. Like, like, what was the massive? Like, there's a bunch of memes around a Mass Effect. Uh, well, the marquee of this stream, the image, the banner image comes from Last of Us 2, which, I mean, that gets into the weed of it. Although, it did produce a lot of good memes, like the, the choking meme. I love that one. Because it's like, the one is like of Chris Chan and Sonichu is choking him out. And Chris Chan's like, I created you! Oh, <laughs> but, um, no, I think that there is sort of, which in some ways I do agree that maybe a lot of, like, the skimpier outfits are kind of just for like a largely like young male sexually frustrated audience. But in terms of games in general, I just, I, I think like, like this, it has nothing to do with politics. It has more to do with consumer capitalism in general. Games have become shittier and less playable and more like fa fan servicey just because of the trend of having like billions of dollars in the game industry and like you know them not really caring about their audiences. I mean, I'm not a gamer myself, but from what I hear from people that play video games, it's like kind of abysmal in terms of the quality, except for like some like weird indie studios or like a lot of the Japanese ones are still going well but it, but in terms of politics i do there is like a conscious effort i think to cater to the most vocal minority of people who do by and large have a lot of clout within the gaming industry whether they're of particular identities or not i think that's the objective fact whether or not that's going to impact the staleness of games is probably overestimated because like games have just been shit for the past 10 years in general so i don't know it's just yeah, I, I can see both sides of it, I guess. Clive, what do you think? Oh, I mean, I, it, it, I mean, like, you know, like there's a, it. it I, I don't actually work for any corporation. I, work, I mean, I work for myself. I've been sitting at home for 25 years, so I don't actually know uh, uh, what it might be like at this guy's workplace. Um, it maybe, maybe, yeah, it, maybe it's really stultifying. You know, I, I, I it could be true. Um, I simply, I simply don't. Uh, by uh, any idea that there's massive woke mobs that are destroying gaming, basically, it just it doesn't. Th 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 there don't seem any facts, or the games still seem hmm. pretty good. There's undoubtedly crazy fights going on uh, between um, folks online, uh, but um, yeah, I don't uh, see the th woke th mobs right now being represented mm -hmm. that much in a lot of the let's say uh, popular games, games that people like to play. Although I do notice that they're being, for example, um, how do I well. Like that G four reboot that recently happened, there was this whole uh, oh, yeah, there was this whole one. brouhaha from uh, the lady who was using the opportunity to talk again, not about interesting games, but to criticize the audience for uh, sexism. So that is one aspect where I see it's not even so I, much. I, I, sorry, I, yeah. I don't I don't think I followed that. What happened? Uh, uh, so uh, Bill, Billy Pratt, do you remember the uh, lady's name? Frosk. Yes, Frosk. So what exactly happened there? Mm. So, um, Frosk went on a rant on her G4 show. Mm -hmm. I think the segment was like, oh, what's your gaming gripe? And Frosk kind of took that opportunity to talk about how apparently on G4, there was this like really hot co-host like way back in like the 2000s when it was on. Um, she was like some kind of model. And I the guess Justice people Department. are comparing Frosk, who is not a model. I think Frosk is a professional gamer to to her, you know, and just 
making you know kind of jerky comments in the in the um in like the stream comments and uh she just took that opportunity to kind of talk about how the 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 female co-host on the show isn't there for eye candy even though the last one was um and it kind of just you know went from there what 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 happened what was the what was the sort of follow-up from that i um well, the follow-up from that was that G4 ended up... Got uh, canned, yeah. Yeah, nothing really happened. Uh, but the interesting thing, Clive, what you were pointing out it, it, about... Is, the... is, that, is that why they canned it? Yes. And the interesting well, thing... Well, there was other that, issues, well, but yeah, that's... No, 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 but the interesting yeah. thing to me here is that you were pointing out how the top games, you know, people play them and they're very interesting right now. I agree. What I do see, though, is that whenever people who are within the uh, establishment media, whatever you want to call it, when they take up the issue of games and gamer culture, there is a very specific side that they team up with as opposed to teaming up with the other one, where if well, they have... Their... Yeah. I, I mean, maybe, maybe they just disagree with it. Maybe they're, maybe they're I mean, like, maybe, maybe they think that... No, but it's too specific. <laughs> again, if it's an Occam's Razor thing. If we're talking it's, about, if we're talking about like the short, the, the short, the short blue hair yeah. and like all these various styles, it's a look. It's a very specific look that the mainstream oh, okay, so, publications so we're, we're take with gamer culture. We're back on the, on the hot influencer thing, right? No, it's not hot around, influencer. Yeah. It's the. What, what are we talking it's, about? I'll tell you. We are vaguely left. I am not going to speak. I shall explain. We are not talking about hot influencers. We are specifically okay, right. talking about like these short, blue-haired, SJW-styled people. This is a kind of culture that I think a lot of mainstream publications find very hip and with it. And those are the cultures that they want to promulgate through, uh, whether it's, uh, what was it, um, Teen Vogue, Vox, any of these publications. And they portray anybody who has a descending opinion about gender, about culture, about sexuality, right. as being these evil incel bigots. And it's the same thing over and over yeah, again. There's smaller ones, like Mel Magazine is yeah. one of them. I'm, yeah. We're seeing this not so much i'd say in games although it is slowly creeping into uh certain uh, a plus uh, titles but i think in terms of the actual journalism of the games this is something that has been there for a long time and the reason why i mentioned gamergate in the beginning clive mm. is that i think that this it ascends it descends from gamergate into every single piece of journalism that has this culture war aspect within it from the mainstream I just see it every day when I uh, take a look at all these publications, and I, it is I, there. I can't pretend I, I mean, it isn't. I, 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 haven't got, I haven't got a lot of time. Unfortunately, I got. A, I only had an hour for, uh, free to chat, so. And so I definitely I, appreciate. I got, it. I, got, I got to wrap it up. Uh, thank you for well, having me. I, I mean, I mean, I think, I think you might have. I, I, th I think you might be oversampling uh, <laughs> things a bit, love. Uh, it, it, rarely, rarely are media as unified as you seem to think they are. Uh, if you uh, go if you go to Harvard and if you go to Columbia, you think they disagree? Dude, Harvard and, and Columbia are not the world. I mean, I don't... I, exactly, I, I don't, and I, I don't I, think I, this media is the I, world I, either, but I, they pretend I, I like they are. I, I, and also, like, frankly, I'd need to even ask you what you mean with the word media, right? I mean, do you mean... Uh, do you mean, you know... Um, uh, uh, he means the press, Clive. He means the okay, press. Okay, so, all right, so so what? What is the press and what isn't the press, right? I mean, are you I, kidding I, me? Oh, no, 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 no. What I mean is, like, is, is, is a web is a website part of the media? You guys, you guys have this idea that there's like that there's this like incredibly powerful no, cartel. There is, there is a consensus among certain people, or rather, there is a sort of mindset that a lot of journalists have. I think uh -huh. it's not a controversial statement and it tends to be sort of leftward and cultural issues. And I think that 
maybe in America. Sure. sure. In America, there probably is probably I, I, more of a leeway, but in Canada, where I'm from, like for example, oh, yeah. with the truckers, I mean, it's uniformly like these yeah. people are evil. They're demons. They're terrorists, and it's just like, I think that Damn. what people are pointing out with the media is that they're in they're fundamental in terms of manufacturing consent for certain political causes. I think that's what people are right, right. griping about, and mm, I. True. But I think, I mean, you have to go. So let's ask you one yeah, final question. Sure. Where do you see the future of video games going with VR, with everything? Where do you see the trends from I mean, someone who's in the I trenches mean, of the media? I mean, I think, I think, I think games are like, you know, I think rather delightfully for me, who spent years with trying to trying to get people to talk about media, trying to get trying to get mainstream media to let me write about it, and them not wanting to because they just mm. thought it was a bunch of nerdy nonsense. And I'm like, no, this is real culture, guys. Like, say, I mean, like, it was like 15 years of waiting until my like my mid 30s before someone would let me write a big article about it. And of course, everyone loved it because there's a lot of gamers out there that wanted to read about this stuff. So, so that uh, uh, so I'm actually quite happy that games have become like a really big, unignorable part of mainstream culture in a, in a way that I think is great. And, and I don't think that's going away. I think that's going to just going to continue. If anything, mm. I think games are going to become, um, you, you already see that one of the wonderful things about them is how much they influence the aesthetics of everything else, right? Like, you know, things, you know, like things that aren't games are kind of excited by the visual uh, uh, palette that games bring and they, and they copy them and they rip it off. So they're, they're, they're you know, the visual styles that were invented in games are now part of the, the the palette of what you see on TV and movies. So that that to me, I think, is like a trajectory that is is consistent. I think actually, mm. game gaming culture is uh, games are going to continue to become very big. VR, I don't know. It's a really good question. Um, People like stuck I, in the pods I, in the I, VR landscape. I, I, I nerdily love VR. Really like, like it's so much fun to do. Uh, um, you know, every time I put on the Oculus and play something, I'm like, oh god, this feels like the future. Um, but you know, after 20 minutes, my head's all sweaty. I'm, I, I feel like I can't, I can't do it anymore. So there's yeah. clearly some sort of technological brain chip. Maybe the brain chip, yeah. Um, uh, you know, or maybe it'll be like just more like an AR things that are a little lighter weight. Mm. You know, I know I, I, I wrote about the um, Hololens, uh, yeah. and and they were like, "Look, dude, this is great. We love what we're doing, but until we get it to the weight of your glasses, it's not really going to take off." But you know, engineers right. are, yeah, like are engineers glass. are good at this stuff, so I think in the long run they'll get there. So I think I think we could be looking at some very interesting stuff, but it might be a little further off um, mm. in terms of AR and VR. Um, but I, you know, like, I mean, in one sense, we're already there, right? I mean, you know, like I, I stare at my phone, you know, yeah, I mean, like look at this. this. I'm walking, I, while I'm walking down the street, that's yeah. effectively already me living in <laughs> yeah. a virtual reality. No, but, but even as, this as kind I of virtual, into telephone poles, even this you know? virtual live stream that we're doing right now is an example yeah. of virtual reality. And one last thing, just because you asked yeah. me, uh, yeah, er, sure. uh, so earlier in the day, Jim Jordan, U.S. Rep. Jim Jordan revealed that an unnamed whistleblower disclosed documents showing an FBI unit wanted agents to use counterterrorism measures against parents who criticize local school boards. <laughs> Specifically, the unit wanted agents to use a so-called threat tag in this case. So I could send you the article, but that's just like one example. Again, I just sure, wanted so you to know that I wouldn't just take it out of my behind. So yeah, that that does sound kind of insane, actually. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I, and, 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 and look. Whoa. Hold on. Whoa. Uh-oh. Hold on. I'm going to bring it back in here because, uh, hold on. I'm not sure where he is right now. He wanted to say something, and then he said... And look, and he's not here. So while we're seeing what exactly is going on with Clive, I just want to 
ask everybody once again who is watching this be sure to subscribe to uh the break the rules stream we love you we appreciate you it is very important and fundamental that you subscribe right now and that you become a patron if you go to patreon.com slash break the rules become a patron and we will love you and appreciate you forever and ever and ever so right now i am also adjusting the uh, screen as you can see this is like two to three people and i'm going to adjust it to four to five i am still working this thing out by the way as far as what the screen ends up looking like so you guys have to uh pardon me here i'm still trying to figure this out the screen is very big right now too big in fact but again i really appreciate the fact that clive was able to uh come in here and oh here we go here, here he is. Hold on. Hey. I, 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 no, I do have to go. All I wanted to say is where, where I was going is, yeah, I'm, a, I'm look, in, in general, I'm very much a, an old school, uh, um, have the civil libertarian attitude towards three-day agencies is not your friends on the civil, liberty, civil liberties front and therefore to be to be scrutinized very carefully. I just want to make that clear before I leave. <laughs> I don't know. Absolutely. But, uh, we're uh, okay. we're all in this I, together, I, Clive. I, and I really I, I'm going to take off. Take okay. care, Clive. Take care, Thank guys. you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you. All right. So as I'm adjusting this, some people have recommended that we, that we also go to the uh, Twitter, uh, what do you call it? You know, those Twitter things where the Twitter people can uh, converse with us. Uh, Twitter spaces. That's it. So that may be, may be a plan. I am not sure yet. Just give me a second here as I'm adjusting the uh, monitors. This is all new to me. Let's see. One, two, three, four. So there are four people who are on right now, which means I have to switch to four or five. And... Man, that is not working out. Okay, so anyway, what do you guys think of the conversation while I'm adjusting this thing? Uh, we just got it out in the weeds, I think. I don't know. What I even think is that gamer? we met the anti-mold bug. Not only is there no <laughs> cathedral, there's no mainstream media. What is the media? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, like that kind of just got absurd at that point with um, – uh, de the, the debating tactic of like, uh, you know, if we, you know, we're going to have to debate the, the terms we're using and it's okay. Ridiculous. So you bring up mold bug. When I, when I did my conversation with mold bug, I was using the media as a shorthand for the press. And he, you know, he was like, DF, you don't mean the media. You mean the press, which I thought was really funny that it came full circle. <laughs> nice. Nice. What, what is, what would be the distinction there? Like, are we, are we literally written the written word? Um, so the press is, you know, like magazines, newspapers, anything like a journalist would contribute to. And then media is movies, what we're doing now, podcasts, okay. it's everything. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the press is probably, yeah. But it, I, at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I think that we didn't get into like what was the driving force of a movement like Gamergate and sort of politics on the internet rather than just focusing on like the the lore of like, no, it's about harassment. No, it was about ethics and gaming. No, it was like... <laughs> no, I, th I think we were... You know what I mean? I, like, I, think I, we I were want more meta than that. I yeah. think we were sort of touching on it, but we can touch on it right now. I mean, there's only so much that we could get into in that particular interview, but it is very interesting just to see the differing uh, sides on that, uh, on that particular issue. But uh, you can answer your own question, Gio. What do you think is the core, in your personal opinion? Um, I think that Gamergate was the first um was like the first truly like millennial <laughs> millennial movement in terms of like apart from other things i think like what happened was there were a number of internet trends that coalesced whether it was new atheism uh like you know daily show consensus bullshit um like the news media becoming like like tumblr is obviously the biggest one of the biggest ones in terms of just cultural discourse and how um 
like for example the 2012 writer's strike probably contributed to like journalists strip mining the internet for content just for forum culture in general you had a time where anonymity became less emphasized and now you started to have the rise of e-celebrities and so then from there you have the perfect shelling point for a culture war that like what became like such a huge international ground war which is video games because video games i think is like one of the only um industries of entertainment and art well i mean a debate whether it's an art form but like let's just say for you know say for its own sake entertainment and art it's one of the few that is still like largely controlled by a corporate apparatus that doesn't really have a truly like indie scene that has developed it's it's starting to now but i think that video games because you it requires such a huge commitment and such a huge monetary um investment in terms of having developers and everything it's not like film it's not like music certainly it's not like visual art where there is like you know outsider scenes it's like video games are really like the heart of the culture industry now and i think that's probably why you had like certain elements pushing it in that like culture war direction because it's like very easily you can translate that into like you know sales but mm. But uh, what do you think, uh, uh, Bad Billy Pratt, as far as did we end up touching on the core of what exactly Gamergate is? Or do you think this could go uh, further? Like, what, what would you say is missing from the conversation, if anything? Um, I mean, I think that Clive put up roadblocks wherever we could have went that was interesting. Um, Clive wouldn't concede that there are not many male male only spaces or spaces for you know men to kind of uh be comfortable with one another and, and like you were saying before shoot the shit like have that open kind of locker room vibe it, it just doesn't it doesn't yeah. exist anymore and like if he's not willing to concede to that um i think video games were the refuge of the incel um if you're not oh, yeah. getting laid in college you're playing or college or college or high school you're playing video games and i think um they saw anita sarkeesian and the other one as these intruders who were like kind of avatars for for who the girls who weren't sleeping with them or the girls who they felt bullied by even if it was like in their own head or just bullied by the fact that they weren't getting attention from them um and they saw these women as coming in and wanting to take away the only thing they really yeah. had so like their safe space since it can't be in real life we're we're the virtual we're in the video games and because um, they weren't coming inside they they found these women coming inside their space coming and they could <laughs> yeah where are they coming to <laughs> but this uh this was the point I that i was was well, a sexual tension between the feminists uh, and the gamer gators yeah. in my opinion but this was the point that i brought up as far as um the uh anonymous people who got interviewed as clive said claiming to be supporting trump in new york city where it is interesting what he said where on one hand yes they're being honest and forthright with a complete stranger but it is important to point out that because they are complete strangers it is almost like being anonymous in a way it's not going to be somebody that would rat you out at work it's not going to be somebody that would compromise whatever uh, you do so there's more of a chance to actually be honest with a stranger as opposed to being honest with somebody that you're in constant work uh, working with which is why i did emphasize that there is this culture of self-censorship within new york city and i'm not sure i agree with the idea that this is just like some 
isolate a thing. I don't think it's limited to New York City at all. I think it's something that goes on in pretty much any urban area. And the way that I related back to Gamergate is that if there was this consensus that was established with uh, certain pieces of media that journalists want to uh, promote as opposed to others, I think this pattern has been seen in pretty much all media, and that's what people are very suspicious of. So when we ask the question of what exactly is not the, how did you phrase the default friend? Not the media, uh, not the media, but uh, journalists, press, press, yeah. press, yes. So when we're sp specifically talking about the press, people uh, are very uh, concerned about the power that the press has, especially today with big tech, to influence the public square to such an extent that. Uh, people do end up getting uh, slightly uh, brainwashed. But at the same time, do you think that enough people today have in a way, you know, not to keep using these tired memes, but that they have woken up, the sheeple have woken up and would not take the uh, press as seriously as they may have taken them before? Oh, I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like it's night and day. Um... I mean, who's really taking the, the press so so seriously? Boomers. Especially here um, in Canada, yeah. Boomers, yeah, that's the biggest hurdle, in my opinion, because they truly are the PSYOP generation in terms of television. But, yeah, go ahead, Billy. It's, it's just amazing their, their, their allegiance to the TV, uh, be it, you know, Fox News or, or CNN, which, whichever, whichever their, like, preferences. Um, it's like every time I, you know, I have to have more patience for this. I really do. But every time I talk to my parents... It's like a different thing, like, oh, this is going to happen. We have to buy paper towels, you know, or you better get that, you know, you better get that uh, jab because like <laughs> things are going to get really, things are going to, it's not, not yet. We're not there yet. It's almost like, you know, one of those cults that keep promising something that's going to happen. Like two more weeks, future. two more weeks, two more weeks. And yeah. it's like, you know, it's, it's, so it's like, it's like a different, it's like a different meme every day that they're just pumping out to these people and the left used to be if you recall maybe 15 to 20 years ago the left was the ones against the the mainstream press the left was like you had uh fahrenheit 9 11 by mm. michael moore that oh was, god yeah but that, but that was the whole gist of that was like the press all of it is full of shit all of it's full of shit and now it's like we kind of that's completely forgotten that's like memory hold but it's funny because fahrenheit itself was like a glowy operation to like Word people off the real truth which is like they fucking let it happen and, oh sorry i can't say that on youtube oh no i probably <laughs> lose shit no i i the demolition shit is bullshit but i think like fahrenheit 11 was sort of like the the release valve to like get lefties to accept um i think like conspiracy theory is such a powerful force I know like people like Keith Woods would say that the contard mind is like plagued by conspiracy, but I think that conspiracy theories are so powerful that they have to like every generation have an acceptable way for like the left to embody them. So for nine 11, it was Fahrenheit. It was like, well, you know, uh, security state, they exploited it, but it wasn't like the real truth, which is like, they let it happen. Um, or they <laughs> did it. Um, <laughs> Like now, then you have Russia, which is like the boomer retread, like the boomer left liberal retread. For millennials, you always have like conspiracies around, like I don't know, Fox News or something like that. Like it's some John Stewart crap. Like conspiracy theory is such a generative force that they needed it to become like more acceptable. Like we'll be like a leftist example of like on the internet would be like um. Like any like sort of like talk around like a Jesus therapy, sorry Jesus camp. 
type of like you know fucking conversion therapy. Oh, book shit. banning is is the current is the, the current cur- topic. There you go. The, mouse. Um, mouse. Yeah. One one district decides that mouse isn't the select Holocaust book, and they're gonna have another Holocaust book. It's just like yeah. mouse is for whatever reason risque. Is it or is it not? I don't I don't know. I ha- I did read. Did it you see the one viral ago. thread where the one woman of the particular ethnicity was? <laughs> Uh, well, my hat's too large for her ethnicity. Um, talking about <laughs> talking about um how mouse like how uh the boy in the pajama. What's the pajama book? Bananas like, in pajamas. Oh, <laughs> no, the boy in the striped pajamas. Oh, yeah, like how it's the perfect uh <laughs> Holocaust book. I'm just remembering now that AXCX song, ha ha Holocaust. Ha-ha. All right. I mean, look. Hey, Billy. I- <laughs> I haven't I haven't read Mouse yet. Oh. I don't exactly know what Mouse no, is about they, other they than said the thing. They banned but it. it's like it's No, I know there's like it, some nudity or some Is there mouse nudity in that? There's violence and nudity. Yeah, violence and nudity. Again, I don't think violence and nudity is as important to uh ban but this as This author was saying that like it's oh, they're not going to it's like sanitized. We we can't blame white people enough for it. Like that's the whole you know what I mean? There's a lot of racial impetus behind that thread, obviously. I mean, mm. come on. Um, but I think, like, with Mouse, it's, like, another... Like, the banned books discourse is bullshit. Like, if Stephen King wanna, wanted us to, like, read banned books, you gotta go read banned... What was this mm. fucking stupid Wait, but was, was Mouse... Ban- was... He would tell us to go out and buy fucking Miguel Serrano, go out and buy <laughs> Julius Evola, go out and buy Sestri Devi. <laughs> Is is Stephen King just gonna let us read Sestri Devi now about how Hitler is like Krishna? Oh lordy! <laughs> oh, but uh, but I'm okay. getting off the rails now. Yes, well, speaking of off the rails, I do want to do the Twitter space as well because I think that there are people out there like uh, maybe uh, well, Black Sage D who have before certain. Before we idea- get to yeah. that, I wanted to ask uh, Catherine about. We didn't get to it. Um, the, the, the discourse around the fandom thing. And do you think that Gamergate was sort of like, was a model of like how fandom is such an integral part of like culture and politics nowadays? Sure. Yeah. I mean, in, in a bunch of different ways, I think like probably in the least obvious way is that, um, people think that, uh, you know, if you're fandom controlled, that means it's going to be a lot of different people. But actually, um, when, you know, media properties and corporations are looking at fans, they're looking at super fans because those are actually, like a small number of people are actually spending the most money and they're the most engaged. So you want that group to keep buying. You don't want the big mass that might dip in and dip out. So I guess like the argument maybe could be made that like, uh, you know, the feminist faction is, the one they're influencing the press, which is super fans influence the press, but they also influence media properties. And they're, they're, they're not, you know, there's certainly like more uh, teen boys playing video games than, or just men in general than there are women who are super passionate about it, especially the particular kinds of video games that are that gamers play. Like when you say gamer, it's nothing to do with mobile gaming or like what, you know, Stardew yeah. Valley, that shit, that's bullshit. That's just a separate category. Um, but yeah, it's it's these it's these it's a prelude to we're gonna pay attention to the super fans. We're gonna pay attention to the people who are small in number, but we think are going to be the most influential and spend the most money. Which who knows why they would you know we would think it's it's women in this case, but 
Right. Mm. Well, women are natural consumers. I mean, that's... But how many people are going to be spending money on, uh, like, with the cell phone games, Candy Crush, so on and so forth? I think a lot. I think, like, this casual market is going to be people being pay-pigged out of so much money just because they're used to having these various impulses light up in their heads. And, well, yeah. Well, the, I believe the, the, the casual market is... Um, kind of hinged on microtransactions where I like, all of those mobile gamings are the same I'm outside of the candy crushes. It's like you could do some things in it and then it will tell you, you can't do another thing for two hours, but if you want to do another thing right now, you could pay a dollar. And I think that's how like kids will get like super hooked on it and then like steal their parents' credit card to like, you know, to do more of these microtransactions. Well, that's kind of like getting uh, the uh, various uh, cigarettes from your parents after seeing a uh, Joe Camel commercial on, uh, you know, <laughs> that, that used to be the old way. And I do think that video games in a way are the new cigarettes and have been for a long time. Isn't that what they said? Like sitting is the new smoking. And especially if we're talking about VR, I think there's a tremendous amount of abuse that could go on when you have these things that are strapped onto you. Pretty soon we're gonna have a little a little hose that they could just like put you know on on your, on your penis and so you could just like pee out and another <laughs> like pipe that, that goes up your ass and you could poop like out. That right Robert yeah. Duvall movie, um, that's that dystopia. What was it called? It was a bunch of the numbers. Um, God, something. It was like a number code. The the title of the film. I can never remember it. But he was like basically in this subterranean base where it was like this dystopian society where they have like the jerk off machines. And uh, this various other somas, and then he goes to the top, and he finds that like they actually were living underground. That it was like in the top, like the world became like more like a taken over by nature. I forget the title of that film, but I think like I mean the VR. There, there was a story the other day. I know that um, I have to like resist my uh, like latent manosphere uh, like reactionary impulse to be like, oh my god, dude fucking demonizing men again but there was a story that apparently already in the metaverse there there are like ai avatars of women that are kind of like in you know japan they have like virtual girlfriends where the men were like sadistically like um threatening them to like unplug them and erase their memory and they're like no please don't and it's sort of like a sexual sadist type of thing that's going on in the vr and I, I remember, like, it became a viral tweet, this news article. And I'm like, holy shit, that's the future right I think there. That, wasn't that a real woman? I mean, if we're talking about the same thing, wasn't that an actual woman claiming that she went into the metaverse and was, like, groped? At, like, yeah. the avatar was groped? There was that, but there was another one where... Um, oh, my God, Wyatt is back. Uh, there was another one where, basically, they were, like they had like an AI simulator of a girlfriend oh, and they God. were like teasing them by being like, you know, I'm going to pull you off. And they're like begging like, no, no, no. It's like, I, I was really fucked up. It was just, yeah, it was one of those things. Mm. I, I don't think VR is going to take off until you could look at your phone while having the headset on and how yeah. no one has like thought of this. Like it needs a front camera. I mean, people I they do totally have front agree. cameras. Until the, it's amazing that TikTok is as successful as it is because you can't multitask while you while you use it. But it, anything where you can't also multitask, then you're you're fucked. Yeah, right.
I mean, look at uh, the BTR stream, for instance. Right now we are streaming on Instagram, still apparently, as well as YouTube, as well as uh, DLive, uh, Twitch, Facebook. Uh, what else? What else we got? Oh, and the Odyssey, of course. And now we're going to be transitioning uh, after some conclusive uh, talks here. If you guys are interested in uh, also being here, all it really takes, by the way, is for you to, you could still keep the webcam on here, or the avatar on here. All you have to do is go on your Twitter app on your phone and go into the Twitter space and speak into the space because I use an emulator for the uh, Twitter space. So that way you're still going to be here in spirit on the screen, but you're also going to be on the screen inside of the little emulator. So that's a recent thing I started doing and it's pretty successful since it also gets a lot of uh, people's uh, input on this particular uh, conversation. But uh, I do eventually want to do a virtual reality break the rules stream if you guys are interested. Oh <laughs> we kind of had half of one, remember, with uh, what was his name? Oh, yes, yes. I know, I know who red, you're talking red, about. Red Badger. Uh, no, Red Badger. No, red no. Fox. No, red no it's uh, P uh, Picapiti. Picapiti, that's it. You remember he had the uh, furry uh, yellow avatar, and he yeah, was. It's, oh, it's a red panda, red panda. Yeah. That's no, no, that's Haka says. But yeah, technically Haka speaking, says. Yeah, he's yeah. he was in a VR set while he came on. Sort of. I mean, it's still. Yeah, it was. It, it was a VR. Yeah, set. yeah, it's it was still, Oculus. It's still, it's still being uh, being formulated. But yeah. Did you see that other story? By the way, default. You saw this one. Oh, by the way, your friend Going Godward got suspended for some reason. I don't know why. She never posted anything. I think that's it was weird. She, I think she was talking about school curriculum or something. So I'm guessing someone probably brigaded her. Um, by the way, another good friend of mine got uh, got um, suspended, Parallax Optics, because he mentioned a naughty, naughty, no word in front of James Lindsay. So I wonder if James Lindsay is probably report uh, Efsler. Hmm, I wonder. Anyways, um, do you see that VR thing where the husband said that or rather the was it a boyfriend or a, no it was an actual husband that wanted to have sex with his wife while wearing vr but but he's like through vr imagining another anime girl or whatever kind of yes. like you know you know like in in uh in uh in um blade runner what was that called blade runner uh 14 Oh, okay. 1488? <laughs> no. Blade Runner um, 49. Yeah. 2049. 2049. There we go. Where, like, his VR girlfriend is, like, they take this prosty who has, like, a Neuralink hookup and that prosty, and they, uh, like, put her in, like, so he can see the avatar of his GF, but he's doing this prosty at the same time. I mean, it's kind of like, then he, you know what his justification was? Was um well you know when you have sex with someone then you imagine another like porn star or whatever and she's like what the fuck like <laughs> is that Jordan Peterson? No no that I'm just, voice like, sounded like to... yeah. Well I mean Jordan Peterson is a beta male type of voice but I mean like so yeah default you saw that clearly right like it was I'm yeah I mean it, it reminded me of like a a recurring conversation that uh, the personality girl and I would have on after the orgy oh, which yeah. is like if you're boyfriend's imagining sleeping with someone else while you guys are being intimate should he tell you and i mean the obvious thing is no but unfortunately there was a you know a person who we both knew who vehemently thought it was yes and that would be a frequent <laughs> argument <laughs> that way it's like a weird Why? recurring bit on the show <laughs> 
I mean, look, I'm sure everyone does it, but it's just like, it's one of those things that like you keep to yourself. I feel like a lot of things are fine as long as no one knows a thing about it. Yeah, that's probably true. But this is like next level. Like the guy is in a VR headset and it's like, you're basically just like a human flashlight at that point. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. That's well, it's another layer of Plato's cave. Billy, what do you think about this? Plato's goon cave. Have you imagined uh, someone else during, you know, um, I mean, at oh some point, God, why am I asking that question? <laughs> um, but who would, who would go to a Billy. prostitute to imagine their girlfriend? Doesn't that seem backwards? Am I am I missing something here? No, no. This was his girlfriend or wife. It's just that he was in the VR pod with an anime girl or some other porn star, like while they're having sex. Wasn't that? I, I feel like I saw that as a viral post on Twitter. It was. Where, yeah, yeah. Oh, is that is that what we're talking about? It was from a Reddit thread. Yeah, that was what we're talking about. Yeah. Right. Um, it's funny because I I that very same day I posted something else from Reddit where um, a man was complaining that his dying wife. That one! Him. Holy shit! And I, oh, oh, I just feel like they're they're kind of mirrors of each other. And the, they are. Course, one is like female sociopathy and one is male sociopathy. <laughs> and the one well, explain men is this like, one, people don't know. Okay, um, so um a woman, a man had a dying wife and he's posting to reddit very upset about something nine months to live nine months to live and she comes to him and says well i love you so much but um i only have nine months to live and you don't fill my needs sexually and but and i had this partner from the past who was the best sex i've ever had so can i have sex with him one more time that's the story. Oh. Now, there are many different interpretations we could have of this story, but the story was that it was just one more time and she's asking permission. Oh, God, that's tragic. Oh. My take was that she had you been said- doing it. She'd been doing it the whole time. Oh, oh, there you go. Probably. Probably. I think that because of the disease, she would have like less autonomy. Like he's probably on more on top of where she is. I doubt she still has a job who's working with nine months to live. So he's probably yeah. on top of where she is and she wants to continue to kind of cheat. But now the stakes are if she gets caught, I mean, she may just literally die alone. Like the literally now she's yeah. going to die alone. That was the role of Tomasi take is like, if you, uh, if you say that to me, then how about he, takes care of you while you're dying for the last few months and it's like you know piss off in other words that's that's weird because they both i think they're both um they both strike at a particular form of like malfeasant male and female sexual longing that hasn't been properly sublimated like in the one sense the woman is like finding this extreme circumstance of like well like i don't know not that i know anything about good sex but i mean like (laughs) I guess maybe it's true, but then it's like... Well, Gio, you're an artist, so the intersexual power is uh, in every but what work is, but that what you is, But what is good sex, love? What is good sex? It, can, cannot a man verbally learn... Like, can he just... Can the husband just good, ask good her, sex like, what is, do you uh, good sex Why is, am I not bad? Good sex is sex without a condom. I mean, it just... Okay. <laughs> so, no, obviously, if she has nine months... I mean, I think then, Billy's yeah. right. I think she's probably just fucking this other dude the whole time. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, and she needs to like I don't it, it, maybe it's not even about getting caught it's sort of just about like mentally justifying it to herself yeah, before, before she you, dies. Yeah. Um 
Yeah. Well, on for that. Those in the chat, what is good sex for those in the chat? Please describe <laughs> okay. this to me. Yeah. What? Oh. On that, I think that yeah. it, it, it just says something to me that the the kind of male inverse is just yeah. that's the pathetic one. And that's like kind of the remember, like we, we live in a sexual utopia for women, right? Sexual utopia in power. Um, the male the, the male fantasy is to have something virtual, right? So no yeah. no feelings. I mean it's gross, okay, like you shouldn't be doing it, but it still comes from a place, in my opinion, of like innocence. Whereas like she's like, F you, I'm gonna stab you in the heart. I'm gonna <laughs> on the way out, I'm gonna tell you that you never you never, you know, satisfied me. And then for I a man, that is to devastating it. too. Like, for, not to, like I know she's dying, but like for a man, that probably is fucking devastating to say that. Like, well, you didn't satisfy you. You didn't bring me to, uh, you know, to to quote Scott's diner to the mountaintop to Nirvana. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah, those would be the Steiner recliner. You those know? would be the last to uh, the last thing the wife would write hey, before before she wife. passed away. While you're in hospital screaming in pain, your wife Kimberly screaming my name. Because for people to know, he was married to the top Nitro girl, Kimberly Page. Diamond oh. Alice Page, yeah. For, yeah. No, for real. But they, they divorced like uh, in the mid-2000s, yeah. Mm. So I'm going to be transitioning right now into the uh, Twitter space, everybody. I want to make sure that my instructions are clear to default friend and Billy Pratt. Do you know what to do? Um, I have this open in my in my Twitter um, in my in the browser in Twitter. So no, I'm not really sure what to do. Oh, Can okay. I just... Do you have the Twitter app? Well, yeah, I'm I'm in the Twitter app, and I clicked on your link in our in our DM. Oh, and that's how yeah. I ended up here. Yes. Okay. As long as you're not using a browser, as long as you're in the actual Twitter app, then you're able to use this no problem and uh catherine same thing so as long as you have the app not the browser but the actual app it'll allow you to go in there and to uh talk so i'm gonna start the space right now nothing much really changes as far as uh whatever's happening here but uh geo let's read out some names right now while i go through the uh right, tra transition the space um oh yeah now i see the space okay yeah don't worry it's it's here all right. Um, so names. Um, I don't know. Let's let's go through it. David Doe, King Salmonfish. Um, my ex hacked all of my senses one time. The bitch is dangerous. I was straight up fucked up the afterwards. Holy crap! Never marry a Wiccan GF. Um, Algon, Matthew W, uh, Oscar Toe. Seraphim Goose, who is a mod of ours, who is a Janny of ours. <laughs> Dog Break, Dag Breaker, Moral Outrage Prophet, Bing Da Bingo, Vicious Need, How ha uh, Howardrell. That that kind of, that name kind of reminds me of uh the guitarist for a Perfect Circle, Billy Howardell, but it's Howardrell. No name, Girly Voice. Uh, BTR crowdfunded love doll for Geo. Oh, God. get him out of here, engineer! Get him out of here, uh, Lord Candy. Subject to change. Uh, QT Pie, Matthew W. Cyber Ninja Zero. Uh, Baltic, Baltic, Ralph Dude Seven. We got. I uh, said QT Pie. Ding dong. Ding dong. Fallen student. Fallen student. Uh, the acrylic name I can't say, but that's probably a troll. Um, no, 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 no. You mean Bolatus Yeah, yeah. 
Biff Vonderhoo. That's a good name. Uh, Michael. We got Michael. We got uh, WebM Aristocrat. We got Algon. We got yeah, King Salmon. I'm scrolling up. Oh, I think I saw Noen too. Shout out to Noen. I want. We should. We should get Noen back on the show. Nathan Wagner. Um. I. You could have had someone base like Jit, but. <laughs> we got to read that super chat after. We have a few super chats. Firewalker ninety three. A Anger Vorts, um, Geotext Adventures, Roguelikes, and custom maps for older gamers don't suffer that same problem. Yeah, that's true. Um, Hagtaro, Hagtaro, Hagataro, Hagataro, yeah. Um, Vicious Gandhi, uh, Canamandan, Canamandan. We finally we got uh, Bubble Gut Dark Split. Bubble Glut Dark Split. That's pretty cool. Fraser. We got Fraser. And finally, we have David Martell or Bizarre Archives. Go and subscribe to Bizarre Archives. He's a great podcaster. Peter Shrink Shrinkage. Peter Shrinkage. There you go. That's final final name. Uh, that's all the shout outs. Now we're going to transition to um, the. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to get off and then I will. Uh, you know, yeah. Yes. So while we are uh, transitioning right now, man, OBS is not behaving as uh, as I would want it to. Everything is all over the place, but it doesn't matter. We're going to be transitioning. So let me just pull up that uh, new window capture window, and we uh, we should be good. So here we go. Everybody, once again, who is listening to this, be sure to subscribe to the uh, Break the Rules uh, oh, stream. Put us on the thing, eh? Yeah. One, uh, one second. Let me just see over here. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Uh, okay, Knox Player. Where's Knox Player? There it is. Perfect. Okay, here we go. Here we go, everybody. So do we leave StreamYard? You mute yourself on StreamYard, and instead you go into the uh, Twitter app, and I am going to lead everybody into the promised land in the Twitter app right now. So I see I have a couple of uh, requests over here. So here we go. So Geo, I am putting you in as the uh, co-host, and we got default friend already here. Uh, you are speaking. So Billy Pratt, you are the only one who is left right now who is not the uh, who is not in. And also, let's see if my audio. Works. All right, can people hear me? <laughs> yes. All right. Let's make default speaker. Uh, All right, I need to get my phone. Oh, default is speaker. So I don't. Okay. Uh, so my phone doesn't die. I want to make sure that I. Uh... Hello, can you hear me? Let's see. Love my... you there, bud. Yes, hold on. My mic is on, but I cannot speak. I have a mouth. I have a mouth, and I cannot speak. So you guys hear me here. You guys don't hear me there. So I'm gonna close this. I gotta do. Well, I can't hear you so far. I know. Hello, can you hear me? No. Billy, you there? You there, bud? Yep. Hey, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hello. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Um, love you there, bro. I am, and I'm not. So hold on. <laughs> Give me a second here. So. Oh yeah, he's just setting things up. Um. So any, sorry, I just got this debate with fucking uh, Carl's bad today about cultural Marxism. Um. We were talking about GamerGate, and we were talking about uh, gamer culture, and uh, we were also also talking about just the medium in general and the future of it. And uh, I think, like, we had this journalist on from the New York Times, and it sort of, like, I felt, like, got bogged down in the weeds 
of um, just like talking about the harassment narrative. But I wanted to like get people's uh, input. Uh, so, but before that, we were talking about that story of the Reddit post of the woman who wanted to sleep with her old uh, boyfriend Hello. before she died, and something like that. I don't know. It's really. Do you, Do you think that there is some kind of Billy, some kind of anima animus thing going on when it came to GamerGate? Like, do you think that there was some kind of like, edipalization of it, for lack of a better term? I, I don't know. I think like there was some kind of. Uh, the, the politics of sexuality, I think, were probably ripe within Gamergate. As I mean, it's obvious. But what do you think? I mean, I mean, I think that is the the whole joke when people would kind of poke fun at the ethics in journalism because it's just so such a desperate way to kind of save some kind of face with it or save credibility. Um, yeah, I mean, they didn't like the idea of a girl coming in and using sexuality to to kind of accomplish her end. Um, I heard way back when that Depression Quest was a dumb game. I think that's the idea. And it was getting good reviews from people. She was trading sex. I mean, it just sounds so ridiculous. She was trading sex to get these reviews. Yeah, five, five guys, five guys. Yeah, and I mean, was that even, was that even worth it? Like, that, that seems like kind of low-end prostitution. I, I think, like, there's probably... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It, it, I mean, it's just like, how much How much did she make from Depression Quest? How much could she possibly have made? Not, not a lot, but I think... I mean, in terms of infamy, infamy, I think, like, Zoe Quinn is such, like, an easy, like, household name of that era. But I think, like, I don't know, it's really... It's really quite strange, I think. Like, it's... um. I, I think it had, like, again, I was saying on stream, like, it had a lot to do with the sort of apparatus of, like, what the internet in general was metastasizing into in terms of, like, this apparatus of hyperreality finally being able to converge on the real. And now politics is such a unique and different thing um, that it's, like, you you can't really predict it. And as much as we degrade it as, like, you know, this is just stupid, like, culture war nonsense. Like, define culture, define war. You know, I think, like, there is something to the fact that a lot of these trends we're seeing are very much real and have an impact on people. And I, I don't know, I think, like, now that I've sort of gotten out of the manosphere type of, like, you know, my way of looking at it, I think that there was partially a case to be made in terms of, like, you know... um representation but at the same time i think like when you get bogged down i think the problem in general was the gamergate creating a bunch of like e-celebs that had the same content that like anti-sgw like here's what the here's what for jessica ramsey is saying uh on on buzzfeed today it's like it's so low you know that, that definitely came out of gamergate but i mean if you kind of looked at like how much of that came out of Disney Star Wars? I mean, I think more, yeah, true. Th there's just as much, um, and those are, uh, man, those, those channels really milk that content. Um, it's, it's kind of unreal. Like, but I mean, doesn't it all just come down to people finding different avenues no. to exploit no. content? Um, Clive was talking about how horrible the, the death threats or sexual harassment, but I mean, did they not make so much money from that? I mean, that amplified, Nita, Anita Sarkeesian 
such to such a great degree. Like, would she have really had that many patrons pumping her money if they didn't feel that she was this kind of like um, Jesus Christ female figure of of getting like destroyed by by you know the evil white male gamers? Probably not. Yeah, true. I mean, like I mean, everyone. The thing is it's everyone's... always both, right? Like it's 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 so painful when you're going through it, but then it does lift your profile a lot and. I think like the the thing that you're not allowed to do is have the self awareness to be like, yeah, it really sucked and was really scary and it's probably still a little scary, but I wouldn't have the career I have without you know haters or fans too. It's it's uh, stereotypical, but it's true. That that level of nuance is just um, man, get out of here, default. We don't we don't like that kind of nuance here. Uh, but yeah, but, I mean, no, but, absolutely. But I wanted to go into like what default would you talk about on your sub stack with like the model of fandom? Like, what do you mean by fandom? Why is it so important? And what are the things that like you, you're viewing fandom as like a political model almost or a cultural political model. Like what is it that is so powerful about fandoms? So basically, all right, sorry. I have to do this. Nature to it. It's, it's basically I gotta restart like it. religious levels of um, devotion, if, if not like religious levels of like being woven into your life um, with like a corporate influence. Um, and then there's other things that like define fandom too. Like um, for you to be considered a fan of something, you need to be like in dialogue with uh, the work, whatever it is. And you also need to be creating, you need to be participating in it. So um, making fan art, writing fan fiction, role playing, there's all sorts of, of these works that are that make someone a fan. And I think what we miss is that, that there's a lot, a lot of stuff, stuff that, that we think is just your regular podcast, or we think is just just tweeting, or it's just this or just that, that. But it's actually, if you, if you really think about it, it's like actually role playing, or it's actually fan fiction. We just don't call it that. Hello. There we go. Now you can hear me. Yes. So hopefully the people who are watching this were able to uh, go properly through the transition. What I had to do is I had to close the app, open it back up again, but luckily nobody missed anything that Catherine was speaking about because I was using the uh, trusty phone over here. I put it, uh, oh, I'm probably really loud right now. I put my trusty phone next to the microphone so they were able to hear her uh, really well. So uh, anyway, let's keep going. So as far as uh, as far as the uh, conversation that we had with uh, Clive, like we mentioned during the stream, I think uh, a lot of things uh, were touched on to disagree with Geo here. But I also agree with uh, what uh, Bad Billy Pratt was saying is that there were certain roadblocks from which nothing we could really uh, there wasn't really much that we could do here. I also want to bring in, uh, let's see, uh, a couple of people here. But uh, before that. Anybody who, let's see, Mason, did you have a chance to listen? I want to get some input from some of the people who uh, listened to the uh, actual uh, stream today. So uh, let me know. Raise your hands. I hardly ever call people to uh, do that. But raise your hands if you listen to the stream today and if you have anything you would like to, uh, you would like to say. Let's see. I'm not seeing any raised hands. Yeah, right. I, I mean, anyone in general, like in the chat who is listening to this, have, have all of you listened to the stream uh, and it wants to say something um just the only the only prerequisite is that you have to follow either me or lev because like it's like you know we've had a bad 
hear this one. <laughs> this black Israelite on the one that was fed posted once. I made that mistake. Yes. Oh, King um, King Salmonfish. King Salmonfish's got the uh, hand up here. Yeah, so uh, he was in the chat actually in the street. Yeah, so there we go. So uh, speak up. Let me know what you think. All right, is this working? Because yes. it's kind of been giving me some trouble. Yes, it's working. Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. We can hear you. All right. Um, so I've been playing video video games like my whole life. Uh, I only stopped recently in the sense of like like I'm not playing the Xbox. I'm just playing real life, you know. Um, but uh, I think what was the dude's name? Clive. Yeah, I think he. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what to say about that guy because it's like you know what GamerGate was 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 uh, you know just a a, a whammon hate fest. Like that's what they accomplished. It's like no, like no. I I don't think that's even close to a correct analysis of the situation. I mean, you're talking a community of people that are, that are incredibly sophisticated at problem solving, uh, and like pattern recognition, and like the impact that that has had on culture is not at all insignificant. It's it's evolved into full blown like advanced military tactics and shit. Like it's not. I don't know. And then, you know, just a, a singular female present and the guy just kind of implodes. Uh, that was kind of my take. Let's see. I, uh, I like that take. I'm also going to try to transition once again, closing this and opening it back up again, because I think that there is some uh, interference in the audio. But uh, anybody else speak up. Let me know. Uh, let me know what you think. So, OK, so far, we don't have any new people coming in here. But uh, back to oh, we have Quay. So uh, Quay, what's up, my brother? Let me know what you think. Good to see you, Lev. I uh, unfortunately didn't get to hear the stream. I was uh, at the gym and kind of got back just as the space was starting. But uh, it's good to see you, Default. Good to see you as well. And uh, I'm kind of here, kind of here to listen for now. I'll chime in if anything uh, occurs to me to me based on anything you guys say. I'm actually. I'm actually I think I'm gonna pop out. I can, I, my boyfriend warms stuff up and I can smell it and now it's like, mm. <laughs> I just need to go. What is your boyfriend making, if you don't mind me asking? Well, right default, well, it was lovely. All right, default, thank you so much for coming in. I'm actually going to copy default and also pop off to, to have dinner. Um, I do get up very early for work, so this is like a, this is like a late night for me already. So, guys, it was, it was uh, great being on and um i will hopefully be on again soon excellent well i look forward to having you on it was a great pleasure as always i'm not sure by the way where geo went so i'm sending him a message once again this is very weird guys you're going to have to you're going to have to wait a bit here to see what exactly is going on at speakers hello Hello, can you hear me? Hello, hello, hello. Oh, here we go. Can you hear me right now? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can, yes, hear, you. I can hear you very well. So I'm not really sure what is happening with Geo right now. Oh, and look at that. PCSS at default friends trade up ignoring Lev's question. Yeah, that's right. I want to know what exactly she had to eat. And, uh, well, maybe later on I will have the uh, pleasure of finding out. So the problem with a lot of these... Uh, apps since right now I'm using this thing called Nox player it is a uh, Android emulator this is the only way that you're able to get this stuff on your um, 
on your computer and be able to emulate via Twitter space is that I don't want to do a disservice to the people who are here. So I want to actually make sure that uh, while they're uh, while they're in the space, they I mean, while they're watching the stream, they're not going to hear the uh, double talk because there was an echo like effect that was going on when I loaded it, this up the uh, first time. I'm loading it up the second time just to see what happens. Once again, all the people who are watching this right now on the stream, thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate you watching. Here, I'm going to add a couple of more people in here. And I want to see if I can get Black Sage D on because he retweeted this thing. And anyway, I'm going to put my mic back on and close it here. So here we go. All right. Let's see. Is my mic on? Yes, it is. So now you guys could hear me. I hope that there's not going to be any echo anymore. So let us hear from some uh, more people here. Let's go back to King Salmonfish for a moment since you're right here. Any other thoughts on the uh, future of gaming? What exactly you anticipate happening with the various uh, cultures? Or I'd say like the two dominant cultures if we're talking about the uh, people who are more, uh, uh, how do I say it, you know, more troublemaking and the people who want it to be a bully-free space. So, uh, King Salmon Fish, let me know what you think. Um, I've been actually having this kind of discussion, and it ties into transhumanism and just, like, advanced technology, because things are going to progress, almost certainly. Um, so, the weird example that I keep using is kind of the cult classic uh, Fooly Cooly. So, you have Medical Mechanica uses all these, like, robots and stuff to just kind of iron out all the wrinkles of existence. Um, and obviously they're like a giant intergalactic evil corporation type thing. But the, uh, the kind of the reason this is relevant is because people always seem to have this dystopian view of technology. Like we're all just going to end up in like some terrible matrix scenario or something like that. Whereas the, the message in fully Cooley is kind of like, you know, one of the robots of medical mechanica gets like by kind of almost a freak accident sort of hijacked like broken and hijacked and like it's like how do you take the the machines like how do you take the things and make them punk rock and badass and like romance and like you know love and fucking just rock and roll and like the power of the pirate king that just doesn't give a shit and can't be denied like how do you take these things and essentially use them for something dope and cool um, and it definitely applies a lot to this, uh, you know, no bullying versus like overly aggressive and like trying to find this, like what actually is functional, um, for like, just literally just honestly kind of perpetuating the same problem over and over again, strangely, because you just are trying to keep the, uh, the world alive in a sense. And then people are just going to be people. Uh, so you're going to have that kind of. Uh, psychological dichotomy play itself out, you know, at infinitum throughout history. How, um, how much do you think the uh, people being people is people being people as they always were versus people who have been say psyoped to act in a certain way? Or do you think that in general human nature is strong enough that they're going to be able to withstand any psychological fuckery that'll come their way, even though there may be certain formative years, like when you're in college and uh, a little bit later on when, you know, like that old Churchill quote, how uh, if you if you are young and a uh, conservative, you have no heart and so on and so forth. Um, so I've also been doing a little bit of work on this. And one of my strange conclusions about human nature and psychology 
it, it's kind of dark, but the truth is, um, like, reality will just beat the living shit out of you until you get it and, like, change your behavior, uh, usually at rock bottom, or you will die. Uh, also, there's a horrifying alternative, which is that you live for an extended period of time in hell, um, which does happen. But I am just kind of indicating that objective reality has its, uh, like, absolute authority and power over everything um, in such a way that, like, you sort of just have to get with it. And things kind of just are what they are and always have been. But, yes, the, the PSYOP thing... Um, I, I just made a video today, but I'm going to re-record it. And part of the thing that I was getting at is how the forces of darkness are not necessarily as powerful as people would assume that they are because their power is derived from an embodiment of some truth. So, like, the mechanisms by which they use their power requires them to act truthfully in regards to those things, even if they uh, act deceptively in other manners. Like, deception is a thing which is a kind of true facet of reality and they have to be honest in order to deploy those mechanisms so like there's a fundamental uh kneecapping of the forces of darkness because they can only embody the truth to a certain extent um and thus cannot deploy more powerful methods so i don't know mm, interesting stuff i don't know either i think that uh people are eventually going to get to the point where there's going to be a couple of people who end up not succumbing to the uh, technological malaise and instead will make sure that their kids aren't going to be fully immersed in these various uh, apps, VR things, and then there's going to be everybody else who's going to be stuck in the matrix, so to speak, and it's not great. I mean, I like people being able to express themselves, but being stuck in the matrix, though, question is what are people going to be spending their time doing? So for most of humanity, if right now people get stuck on these apps, where do you think they're going to be inside the VR world? I mean, have you ever seen uh, Second Life? I've seen it, but keep in mind, Second Life is not most people. Like, people have to find out about something like Second Life and go in there. I'd say there is a bit of a, at least in the classic sense of the internet, there was a bit of gatekeeping when it came to uh, Second Life. Not to say that everybody's there a uh, fucking genius, but still, that was a different generation. But do you think that it implies to uh, what's going to happen in the future? Well, I'm more speaking to, like, how a human being operates and perceives reality in the real world versus the kind of almost unbounded kind of... Uh, I don't know, it's it's weird. Like, you can do weird things that you can't do in reality and like how does that affect your perception of like what is moral or whatever um and i guess that does get into this thing with the metaverse where the first thing people do is start abusing each other um and we hear all kinds of stories coming out immediately and it's because like well i mean what you know what ethics are there you know like i mean is it is it wrong to abuse some virtual avatar that especially if it's an artificial intelligence like people don't you know, it's it's just not the case that most most people spend all their time thinking about the advanced ethical nuances of what they're doing. Uh, and like a lot of it requires experimental behavior because we don't know. Nobody knows, you know. Um, well, not I mean, I think the artificial intelligence thing has actually been explored to some extent and you probably shouldn't abuse any kind of entity uh, to the extent that you're capable of doing that. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I unfortunately, I I do uh, think that you're probably correct that there's just going to be a certain amount of people that uh, you know end up like in the matrix or um, you know like just overcome by all kinds of shit that's just going to be terrible for them, you know. Um, and I I think that's kind of just been the same story that's been told quite a lot throughout history. Um, but once again, even with the, uh, like the metaverse or any kind of other virtual reality or matrix, um, there's no particular reason in my mind that it would have to be 100% a negative thing. Uh, like why couldn't some of these things be good? Um, and why couldn't, uh, like if somebody's trapped in the matrix, you really do get into like the, you know, glitches in the matrix, or like Morpheus comes and gets you out kind of phenomena like that stuff happens um, because I think Baudrillard wrote about how um, like the 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 simulacrum uh, ends up trying to compete with objective reality for the deepest part of your mind and your perception. Um, but ultimately, my take is that objective reality will always win because any matrix or simulation is just a subset of objective reality. And like, so are our minds, like, even if you are in a delusional state, there are objective mechanisms by which that uh, can functionally exist. So I don't know, I, I'm, I'm hyper optimistic, actually. Um, so that's my take. Mm. Mm. I, uh, I don't know if I'm as optimistic as you are. Um, I forget who it was. I think I might have read about this. Mm. Oh, a little closer to the mic, by the way, a little closer to the mic. Oh, sure. Sorry about that. No problem. Uh, is that better? Yes. Yeah, I'm not nearly as optimistic, I don't think. Uh, I think I read this in something Roger Ayer wrote, but he he was talking to a friend who was like a philosophy professor who would use um, Andre Nozick's example of the experience machine, <clears throat> where like, if you could be wired into this machine, that'll give you all the experiences of life, um, you know, but you won't be in any danger or anything. Like, would you would you do that? And, you know, he, this professor said he stopped using that example on his students because all of his, you know, college age now students are just like, oh yeah, why wouldn't you? Like they just, they, they, they don't understand why you wouldn't get in the experience machine. Like they don't understand why there's some kind of virtue or value in being directly connected to objective reality. Mm. Do you think that's also connected to kids going out? I don't know. Is that uh, meme true? Are kids going outside less? I mean, talking like a 90s boomer where I used to remember always going outside and playing tag and all that. Like, if you combine the fact that these appendages, I'm not going to say the M word because, you know, I don't trust Twitter at all. But these appendages are being worn right now by little kids and eventually they're going to you know, something wrong is going to happen with them as far as their recognition of what facial expressions are. And what does that mean for the generation that is, I mean, this is a good time for Geo to step in here. What does it mean, Geo, for the generation of, I don't know if it's Zoomers now, I think it's like Gen Alpha, for the Gen Alphas who do not see a human facial expression that often other than their parents? And uh, do you think that that's going to create some kind of a crisis when they approach uh, adulthood? Or is this overblown? No, yeah, it definitely will. Um did uh, Billy and Default leave? I had to, like, step out. I had to go to the washroom. Uh, yes, right now. Leave, yes, they did leave, but you are here, and I am here, and we're going to have a couple of more people stepping in here to speak. Well, I, I actually um, kind of just maybe I'll stay for 
like maybe 15 minutes or so because I just, uh, you know, we're snowed in. So oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, I have to go somewhere. But, uh, no, um, I, I would say that you were talking about the uh, children of the, the Koof. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, I was talking about the children of the Koof. <laughs> children of the Corn. Uh, great. I, they played that with Ice Cube uh, during the Family Values Tour, Corn. Um, I think that it definitely will have a long-term impact. I know people like uh, Nemitz, not to call him out, but uh, – we're like, well, it doesn't really matter. Like, a lot of the discourse around kids being resilient, I think, is a huge cope. I think that it's true kids are resilient, but at the same time, we are inflicting massive hypochondriacal psychic damage upon the youth. And I think that in the future, the trauma that we're creating now will carry through, and we're going to basically create a generation of uh, neurodivergent children or who will grow up into adults. And I think that, but at the same token, I think that perhaps they're going to rebel in the future against the biosecurity state. If they find some other thing, whether it's like climate lockdowns or whatnot, I think that perhaps they're going to be even more radicalized than ever because zoomers just, they're basically, in my opinion, spiritually, they, their consciousness has been ceded to the millennials. They basically are the perfect reification of the millennial in a lot of ways. And I think that Gen Alpha probably does have a chance to be truly, like, the first, like, quote-unquote reactionary generation. Uh, but because, I don't know, I think they have to, like, rebel against the rampant, like, spiritually dead consumerism of their Generation X parents. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. I think that they're, they're going to probably look back upon their childhood as, like, wow, we were basically robbed because their older millennial and Zoomer siblings are going to be like, well, when I went to school, we didn't have to do all of this. And so I think that, yeah, it's definitely something. The people that are, like, the journalists that are saying, like, kids are resilient is, like, you could, like, say that to, like, you could, like, say that to legit child abuse. Well, you know, kids are resilient. It's just, to me, it's just so disingenuous. But yeah. Well, there was that recent professor. I don't remember his name, but you remember he, uh, when people started looking up all the things that he wrote, Every single take that he had was so controversial, almost like he was trolling. You know the one I'm talking about, right, Gio? Oh, the, the, uh, the, the, do you mean the black, uh, no. studies guy? No, no, not the black the studies guy. That was, that was a great read, though. Oh, that the guy who was a map, basically. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah, I loved it! <laughs> it was like, it was like, um, I said it's kind of like Efluxus, like Fluxus magazine, where they would have like these art boxes full of writings, and a lot of it was like automatist writing, where like you know the surrealists used to do that. It kind of reminded me of that, but no, you mean the professor who was like at one time he like was for uh, the cheese pizzaism, but also he hated women's rights or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Yes, the well, guy with the curly hair. Yeah, yeah the guy with the curly hair. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he was all over the... But again, it's like when somebody is so all over the place everywhere, is it a matter, like, do you take it seriously? Or at that point, it's like, okay, this person is just a performance artist of the highest degree, and we got to fund them more. Like, what, what exactly is the consensus here? Yeah, but, I don't know. Oh, I mean, go I ahead, Clay. Uh, I, know, I know we, like... I know this came up in the, the stream that I did a little bit, but, like... I, I definitely have a limited amount of patience for like being contrarian just for the sake of it, you know, like I, 
Yeah. And I think that, I think that that tends to, to lead you to a weird place where you just feel like you have to one up everyone else and say like the most taboo thing possible, which, you know, sometimes that's you're you're having a genuine kind of prophetic witness by doing that, but it's not guaranteed that just because what you're saying is taboo, it's also somehow brave or true. Mm-hmm. Like, there's yeah, things, true. There's certain things you just shouldn't say, and I feel like if you're not particularly mature or discerning, you can't tell the difference between those things. Mm. But what we have to endorse a Hitler in violence, or else we're not authentic. Um, but uh, so, uh, but yeah, I mean that is true. Where we do have a lot of people in the uh, underground, uh, whatever you want to call it, the uh, 4chan crowd, that they are just like that. I mean that professor is like that too from the other side, but they're like it from that side. And there's not really anybody who comes in except for break the rules, mind you, who comes in and is able to speak uh, mm-hmm. in detail about a lot of the yes, geo, the de-radicalization. That's exactly what's going on. You're 100 percent right on that department. But what's wrong with that? What no, is- no, I, I think like it's kind of amazing though. Well, oh, what's wrong with that? No, we need more radical. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, the problem I think is like it is kind of amazing. Uh, I know. Um, I think it was Kobayashi scan account that had the thread that became famous because it links to the actual uh, work of this Michael Harris guy. It is kind of a the, uh, how... the hot dog eater. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, was it the hot dog? Yeah, the the Michael Harris one was the manifesto, the eight hundred page. Um, I think it's quite amazing though how like how did these people get through academia? How did he like have a professorship at Yale? When he's like this crazy, like I don't understand. Like, how do they? Well, get PhDs? I mean, like, like you know, the guy oh who, the guy who, uh, I mean, the guy who invented Kwanzaa, who is like a raving lunatic by any objective measurement, has you know, a, a, a like a black studies cynic here at some university. So it's, um, you oh, know, God. people who, people who, uh, people who parrot, uh, people who parrot ideologies that are useful. Uh, tend to be be rewarded for that with uh with these sinecures right um but apparently this uh this harris guy i guess they have to like cancel classes in the philosophy department there every so often because he just calls in uh calls in threats all the time <laughs> i knew a professor like this but like a way more tame version of the philosophy department he would just like start beefing with the other professors and, uh, Philosophy professors are just generally insane too. Like I had yeah. one in undergrad yeah. who like he he had this like very unkempt hair and just always wore like sweatpants and like random hoodies from thrift stores and would like take naps on park benches around campus and like routinely get arrested by campus safety because they thought he was like a homeless man. <laughs> oh my god! It's there was this one back. Um, I went to okay, so basically. My MA that I got my philosophy uh, master's degree in, my philosophy department, it's a small university in Canada, and it's near the escarpment, not to dox myself. Um, oh, fuck it. Who cares? I, I went to Brock University. It's pretty easy to look my name up. Uh, and it was basically started by a bunch of like ex-hippies, the philosophy department, that like couldn't get jobs anywhere else. Also, like a legit Tibetan monk started it. So we had this one professor who was a Nietzsche studies expert, and he was, like, a crazy hippie that, like, literally was, like, one of these, like, new age Christian people. But he was also into Nietzsche. 
and he's like, you know, Christ is love. And he like had orgies with his students because Christ is love. Like, I'm not joking. This like happened in the seventies and eighties and like, just like a bunch of weirdos just came forth. I was like very fortunate to have like a last like legit philosophy department that like our university decided to murder because now it's merged with uh, the classics department. It's like some general humanities thing because it's like, you know, there's not enough funding for them. It's like, it's so sad in a way like philosophy departments in the West are just like being systematically murdered as we speak for good or for bad. I mean, a lot of it, they did it to themselves, but I mean, it's just it's sad in a lot of ways i mean yeah but do you also yeah who's that um there's oh sorry uh no go on i was just gonna say there's that famous essay i forget who the philosopher who wrote it is but um there's that famous essay of just like why you shouldn't study academic philosophy like by a, a pretty eminent philosopher um uh oh was that schopenhauer on university or was it someone else Maybe I'm not sure. Uh, Contrapoints did a video on like academic philosophy and quotes the, the piece at length, which I don't like. All of her is, I, I'm not. I don't remember how Contrapoints identifies. I don't like all of Contrapoints' stuff, but uh, um, that was a pretty good video. And I, I'm not being mean. I legitimately don't remember. But, oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But uh, are um, universities, you think, uh, Geo? Like I said, like what's the difference between uh, Harvard and Yale today? Do you think that you were at the tail end of actual diversity in the universities, intellectually speaking, and now it's even uh, further? Yeah, I literally was. I literally, because all the good people, like they retired or left, and my uh, my supervisor, who was uh, one of like the last like good like real philosophy professors, he uh, like was the chair of the department at the time, but he fucking hated it. Like he despised it. Uh, he like is toning down now. I actually haven't talked. If you look up uh, Rohit Dalvi, um, he, like, was a visionary, right? But he just hated the system. Like, he hated the way that, like, all their little political games. And, uh, yeah, I mean, from what I hear, my university is way worse now in terms of, like, woke stuff. Like, I had, when I went and did my MA in politics, I'll give you a little story. Before I actually have to go, uh, I have to eat dinner. But, um like yeah and then i have a bunch of snow that is greeting me outside so fuck um that's canada man uh true no strong and free uh when i was in my politics uh ma same university which i maybe shouldn't have done that um i had like one of the few uh she was the first uh woman to receive a political science uh in political philosophy uh doctorate in Canada, she was like the first, right? And she's, if you look up uh, Bradshaw, she's like very, you know, important in Canada. And she was like super cool, like super old school, like second wave feminist. And she would like always like get into it with my other supervisor who was like a postmodernist from, uh, from university. He like went to Berkeley and he went to uh, University of Los Angeles and stuff. And uh, <laughs> see, so he, you know, they, you find a job anywhere you go, right? So, we, he, they were always get into it, but I remember she was talking about when she retired that the university department, they don't have money for enough, like my university, the political science department was known for what they call comparative politics because we had a bunch of like great people. Like one of them actually, if you look up, I shit you not, this guy is the wokest guy you've ever, you'll ever find. 
I mean our term of woke. Uh, his name is Juris Dreifeld. And Dreifeld, he was the top Sovietologist in Canada. But he's, like, super controversial because he's always talking about your people, Lev. I'm not shitting you. Like, he, like, went to the Soviet Union. He was, like, he worked for CSIS, which is the Canadian, like, glow-in-the-dark intelligence agency. But he, like, just kept talking about the, the you know, the your people, Lev. So he's, good, like, super good for him. controversial. And he, uh, no, but he, he didn't hate them or anything. He would just talk about, he was one of the only people in university that was still doing a course on elite theory. Like, literally the only guy in Canada that would even touch elite theory. And I had the honor and the privilege of being in his class. You know, right? this uh, this so explains anyway, a lot, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I was talking to my professor, who was uh, the woman, right? And she said, well, it's crazy how they don't want to give people money for another um, comparative politics lecture now that Dreyfeld retired right and also the other guy that's in comparative politics he's a big china expert you could look up a uh, professor charles burton he always writes for the global mail he talks about the chai comms he was actually there when he was a grad student during the culture revolution right so they said they can't give money to that which is like what our department's known for but they can give money to a fucking indigenous studies person and she's like not that i have anything against it it's just like the university itself has an indigenous studies department, but also it's incredibly difficult to find a political science person who is also an indigenous person that is studying indigenous studies in like through politics, because you have to be, uh, you have to have in Canada, we have what they call a status card, which is proving that you are a hundred percent, or I think the percentage, I think you can get like half or a quarter native indigenous. So it's like, you have to have your status card in order to qualify to get that job in a political science department, you have to also study Canadian Aboriginal politics in through a political science department. So incredibly difficult to hire someone like that, right? So you know what I mean? So yeah. a lot of universities they just like it's either like business departments or like stem cell stuff or like, you know, woke stuff that like rich parents will pay for. It's like very much a consumerist model. And so, like, a lot of classic humanities departments, like, um, like philosophy and history. Well, no, history, they have to use it for, like, you know, because it's advantageous to them. Mm. But a lot of, like, classic departments are just being gutted. And uh, it's a shame, right? Like, yeah. it's, I mean, I know, like, a lot of these departments, they have, like, a lot of antiquated practices. Like, you know, our good friend, um, you know, our good friend, um, modern hermeticist, mm -hmm. right? He, he's in Waterloo. He's about to get his PhD in history, but he originally wanted to go for classics, but the classics departments, you basically have to like have start doing Latin or Greek in high school. And only like really rich kids go to high schools that offer that. So like a classic departments, it's kind of like very, you know, stuffy and higher class. But other than that, like a lot of classic, like um, literature, poli sci stuff, like all these departments are being phased out. They're being like, they're going towards general humanities it's just like, to me, it's like, ah, it just mm. puts a bad taste in my mouth. Well, uh, Gio, before you go, the super chats, there's just two super chats over here I wanted to read. So, subject to change, four ninety nine. everyone subscribe or else. 
That's true. So everybody subscribe no. right now to the YouTube channel and uh, all the other channels. You see this thing above here where it says btr.ninja. If you go to btr.ninja, that's the uh, page where all the links are there for everywhere you can find Break the Rules. Audio, video, podcasting, uh, social media, everything. btr.ninja, that is the mothership. That is where you find everything. If we get shut down, btr.ninja is still going to be around. So anyway, Nathaniel Wagner, $5. You could have had someone based like Jim Medicar on. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's uh, hard to get. He's hard but, to get. Yeah, but had the Lugan press on, ice cold takes, guest, ga- guest, ga- acts, guest acts like latest game he played was Oregon Trail. That was a good game, actually, oh! Oregon Trail. I remember that game. No, look, I want to say much respect for Clive for coming in. I really appreciated the fact that, look, now how rare. Now I know rare... why, you, why you didn't. How? Why the what? Dead. Well, no, it's just it's very <laughs> it's very rare to get somebody on who would write for uh, the mainstream publications, and uh, now uh, it is done. So, what were you gonna say? You didn't you didn't put on the chat in the BTR. Um, I couldn't put on in, the chat. Well, studio. I couldn't put on the chat because right now we're actually streaming on um, Instagram. In fact, I haven't checked on that how it's going. No, no, I mean like I mean like the uh, actual. Like, I mean, during the, with Clive. Yeah, exactly, because right now we're still, it still shows here. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, look at this. It still shows the old video, which I don't understand why. I guess it just means that the internet is really crappy. I tried the satellite internet. It was advantageous because, I mean, the chat was just going after him it was yeah yeah i mean look if, if, if i he... told them to be nice to go please be nice please. no they're, they're and not then gonna be abc nice. is like i'll be yeah and abc is like i'll try to be nice to you but it's really hard to you <laughs> i'm like oh my god no no um, I, I know i know the chat i know the chat's not gonna be nice but it was a very oh it was a very important yeah, thing experience <laughs> yes by the way anchor says if i was a subscriber i'd unsubscribe because this is terrible fuck you listen how rare is it <laughs> How rare is it that we bring on people who work for the New York Times and on these publications? It's a, it's a, it's a very important thing. It's not something that any other channel like this does. I mean, I do want to test out to see whether or not we're in the bubble right now. And I know you got to go, Geo, but uh, I'm very happy that there were, let's say, pro Anita Sarkeesian. Well, not pro Anita, but you know, closer to balancing these things the, out. The mainstream narrative. Yeah. yeah, yeah, closer to balancing it out. I'm glad that that was also something that happened. But, uh... <laughs> All right, listen. Oh, yeah, whatever. Uh, Gio, I think I'm going to hop, uh, hop off, too. But, uh... Hey, I, uh, I, I wrote up some of my uh, Litter Kenny ramblings in a piece that's going up tomorrow, so I'll uh, shoot that over to you when it's up. Oh, thank you, No, Thank you, Qua. And, uh... Did I call you Qua? TV yeah. Qua. Um, <laughs> um I, I have that on my mind because I'm writing this review of owen cyclops' book and so i had to go through like the con- content emmys but quay please come back my friend maybe we'll have you on btr stream again what by the way love what is it next week oh boy what is it next week we have three streams next week so first of all for monday and this is confirmed i just actually have to change the date but uh for monday that's the gnosticism debate so miguel is going to be joining us there along with uh uh, along with Neil, and uh, finally, I mean, this was a very uh, long time, long time coming. You know, there was a lot of back and forth, but oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm finally glad that we got uh, that we got Tyler Hamilton in. 
So uh, Tyler is coming in. Everything's been solved right now from his end. So Tyler's coming in. No need to worry. Everybody's in. And that's going to be happening on Monday, not tomorrow. So please allow me to just change the uh, date over here on YouTube. Thank you for reminding me about that, by the way. And then we are going to have, let's see, let's see, let's see. We are going to have, let me scroll forward here. We are going to have, um, 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 uh, we are going to have Angel Eduardo and John Lacatch speaking. So that should be. A big... Who are they? Uh, uh, no, uh, Josh. You know, J- Josh Lacash. I think I've heard of that name. Here, let me. Oh, he's the. Jo- yeah, I think he... I. Yeah, I think. I add Josh Lacash. He uh, he interviewed some. He interviewed pretty... a bunch of. Uh... Yeah, some pretty big people, including uh, General Flynn. So that's. Should... Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. What, what are we going to talk about in that stream? Liberalism. Uh, We're talking about liberalism, whether liberalism is dead. Oh, no. Back to that again. Oh no, it's going to be great. I'm very excited about that. And we have Andrew Rogers. By the way, Gio, before Maybe you... we could bring in Carl. Carl's bad. More like Carl's good or Carl's great. But uh, I before you... Well, go... not recently, but... No? Okay. Well, I haven't been following in these politics. But uh, before, before you go, Gio... Any any thoughts about the new game that Andrew created? Super Gun sixty four. Oh my god! It's finally released. Well, the the pre Ralpha build is out. Um, you can download it from my from my blog at uh, tuxloves.me.me. Um, but say yeah, I gotta do this. Wait, say that again. What's, the, what's the address? Tuxloves.me. That's Here. the website. If you go under the post section. You can find a, a Gunt post. Oh, my God. It says, Optimum a Security Threat Detected. What is going what? on? <laughs> Andrew. I don't know. Andrew, what, what, what are you using? What are you doing? My website is literally a static uh, thing posted on, <laughs> like, a uh, Linode with Cloudflare. I literally found oh, it up, like, a day or two ago. It, it might be just because the domain was recently redirected. I don't know. I'm I'm just using Cloudflare with some static pages. There's nothing sketchy there whatsoever. I gotta I gotta view this. Um, did you hear the latest news? The last man, the la- the third man. He is finally out. He has burned the bridge. Gator. Oh, Gator. Gator. Oh yeah, yeah. I did a reading today of um. So um. Ralph did an, published an article on his page today called The Smoke, and I actually did a, I did a reading in his accent, you know, with, oh uh, my on my God. YouTube channel. So if you go to my YouTube channal, um, it, I, it's on my Twitter. Yeah, it's, I can uh, go, I'm going to go and retweet it. Um, oh, yeah. my God. Ethan Ralph presents The Smoke. I can't believe, I thought Shannon would go right off the cliff with him. I can't believe this. Um... Let me see where Geo, it's Geo, I think we oh, oh my god, Aiden Paladin retweeted <laughs> Oh yeah, oh. Aiden, Aiden and, and Jim have been tweeting about my game. Like, uh, and uh, Flamenco's played it on stream now. Uh, and uh, Worski reacted live to the game. He was quite excited. He's like, he said, he said, whoever made this is a king. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, and, yeah. Wait, oh wait, wait, God, Gio, is that Gio. what he looks like now with his fucking eyes? Oh, my Gio, God. Gio, what if, I, what if I get Ethan Ralph on BTR and we'll play the game? That would never happen. That would never happen. <laughs> never I, I, I never say dream. that. 
Hold on, hold on. Let me see if I, I would, can. I, um, I would just be insulting him for half an hour till he rage quits. No, no, no. Don't, don't. You'd insult be felting him. him too hard. Don't, don't felt him too hard. He's really sensitive. Yeah, I'd be totally felting him. Yeah. Hold on. Yeah. I want to get Andrew Meyer He's here. Like... Andrew Meyer knows him. I want to see if I can uh, get some connection going right now. If we can make it happen. This is this is oh on stream on stream negotiation geo. This is what it's all about. I'm gonna figure this out, and uh, that would be pretty sweet though, right? Like if we get a uh, if we get him yeah. on the stream, play the game, and who are some of the people's heads? So uh, obviously uh, the uh, you know Ethan Ralph's head we recognize, but who are the other? There's like the the first level flamenco where, well the first level where um, you get the kiwi where you get the golden kiwi thing uh there is the head of somebody on there is it that's joshua connor moon of ah, course that, oh that's it and who's the girl it, there's like one enemy and there is a girl who i think is up in the like in in the moon where uh ethan's up as the moon and then there's also another uh um, uh, I think girl. it's. I think it was like one of them's Jarbo, and I don't think there's a girl. I have to look at no. the skybox texture again. But but in the uh, on the stained glass, there's a uh, there's a mixture. Some of the pictures uh, there's like Alice and uh, and there's May. Yeah. In, uh, in the castle, uh, I, I yeah, I'm quite proud of the main room that I did. Is I'll Xander look in there this. somewhere? Uh, not yet, but I'm uh, I'm open to adding new stuff. I'm still kind of. Trying to, right now, I, the most annoying thing is I um I fucked up his um the armature for um his arms, so his arms are like all fucky on the main character of the <laughs> gun. So, so, but I mean like Amazing. the the um the gun like the head model and the in the body I'm quite proud of. Like the head and the body are really solid, but his arms are like spaghetti all over the place right now. So I'm not very good at doing bones and blunder. So it's man, a disaster. that's crazy. <laughs> it's a disaster. <laughs> but it's an amazing work of art, and I hope that uh, Nintendo hires you. You know, you can... One, <laughs> one, day, one day you'll be the uncle who works at Nintendo. Oh, that, a, that a kid is going to brag about having. <laughs> but you're going to shit on Mikuchi me because you're a Sega kid. Oh, I, I, me yeah, too. I was go, a Sega eh? kid too. Wait, which Sega systems did you play? Oh, me? I didn't play any. I was saying you're a Sega kid. You're oh. gonna, you'll, you'll be like starting shit with me on the playground. Oh, okay, yeah. See, I felt, right now, I felt like I had some kinship with you when I thought you said that you were a Sega kid, but apparently, no. I was the only... Oh, God. I was the only Sega, Sega threw kid. in the towel by the time Anyways, I was a kid. I'm, I'm wait, wait, hold on. G Gio, before you go, I have another announcement to make. Just, like, another double <laughs> confirmation I got. Speaking of Sega, the guy who did the the singing in the Knuckles theme, you remember the Knuckles theme from Sonic Adventure? Born on an <laughs> island in the heavens. Oh, I don't. The blood of my ancestors <laughs> flows inside me. Oh, okay, God. so that dude, Marlon Saunders, is joining us for another Sonic stream. So <laughs> I'm going to have the dude <laughs> tell who me. did the... Please theme tell of Knuckles, me I don't know anything about Sonic. Who did the Knuckles theme <laughs> oh, vocals God. in Sonic Adventure 1. He's coming on BTR. <laughs> I, li be I literally just played this, the Sega Genesis 1 when I was a kid. I think it was the Sonic 2, I think. I don't know. Yeah, that's close the enough. The Sega Genesis Wait, 1, what was it? He did the edgy Sonic voice in, in Sonic Adventure? No, no, oh, he God. did the uh, no, no, he did the theme of Knuckles, the vocals for the theme of Knuckles. It was him. Okay. It was him, and it was Dread Fox. And Dread Fox, he did the rap, the rapping part. You know where he says that unlike nice. unlike Sonic, I don't chuckle. I'd rather flex my muscles. That was Dread Fox, and he did the uh, the the voice of my ancestors flow. 
since I am a fucking terrible <laughs> singer. But the point is, is that Marlon Saunders, he is incredibly talented. He his voice is just it's like honey, it's like sweet nectar, and uh, he is an American singer, songwriter, and record producer. Now, it says over here he's a professor of voice at Berkeley College of Music. That is not the case. I wow. think that, well, he was, but now he's back in uh, New York City, and I believe that he is part of the school that Ver Verse Laloon's father is also in. So don't quote mm. me on that. I think that's what's going on right now. I would love to get Versaloon's father. Oh, oh, he's in Tish right now. He's an adjunct professor. Marlon Saunders, adjunct professor at uh, Tish. So he is part of that whole uh, that whole group right there. And again, like regardless of any of the uh, criticisms that we would level at the university system, when it comes to like singing and dancing and those things, I think uh, you know New York City is one of the best places for uh you know this uh, high level stuff but uh yeah, yeah. like juilliard yeah, yeah juilliard exactly anyways i gotta go guys so i'll see you see you geo All thank right. you so much for coming in Burr. so let me Burr. see, see you next week see you next week okay Bye. so let me see if we okay we have adam over here i have no idea if adam is a troll or not that's the thing like I have no idea who this guy is, so I'm not going to take a risk this time around unless we are streaming this no. on Odyssey, and we are not streaming this on Odyssey right now, so I'm not taking that chance. But let's see who else we have. Sorry, Adam. Sorry, Adam. If Look, contact <laughs> me, DM me. I want to figure out if it's safe or not, but again, like I want to make sure that the stream uh, keeps... Uh, you know that that everything is fine that we we don't have trolls and again maybe you're not a troll Leroy Jenkins darn dirty trolls maybe you're a perfectly good guy I don't know but it's uh I don't know, it, it's it's weird like the uh, current paradigm that we're in right now because speaking with Clive the current I, meta yes I really do appreciate the fact that Clive was able to come on the stream and uh, speak with us and I never want to think that I am in a bubble as well when it comes to the views hmm. that I hold. So I think it is important for uh, him to come in. What I really liked that Clive did, which I don't think enough people do, is he held my feet to the fire when it came to certain things that, that I stated. So if I state something, I need to have something to back it up. So, for example, when I was talking about the uh, situation with the FBI going against the uh, parents of the uh, kids who were, um, you know, who were criticizing the uh, critical race theory, I managed to uh, find the article where it was actually talking about that afterwards, after he said, like, what exactly, you know, like, uh, where is your source on these things? And uh, now this is on FoxNews.com, which, again, like, oh, my God, it's Fox News, you know, whatever. You know, this is the environment that we're in where unfortunately only one side of the spectrum is going to talk about these things. So U.S. Rep. Uh, Jim Jordan, uh, the ranking member of the House Oversight Committee, took aim at Attorney General Merrick Garland during an appearance on Fox News' The Ingram Angle on Tuesday night. Earlier in the day, Jordan revealed that an unnamed whistleblower had disclosed documents showing an FBI unit wanted agents to use counterterrorism measures against parents who criticized local school boards. Specifically, the unit wanted agents to use a so-called threat tag, in this case, edge officials, when tracking such incidents. So that's what happened, and... Uh, I think that they didn't double down on it. I think they started going the other direction. So it ended up 
I mean, there's still going to be this tendency, I think, from the uh, White House to persecute people who would go against their uh, agenda. And I think it's something that's happening right now in Canada as well, for those who have been uh, keeping track. I mean, you see the kind of lies that Trudeau is able to level, you know, calling the truckers racist and bigoted and all that. It seems to be wearing off. I really don't know how many people actually believe this stuff. But uh, I don't know, Andrew, any thoughts on that? I don't know. I think the ones on Reddit definitely believe it, but I don't know about outside of that. I have no clue. Hmm. As someone who's not on the ground in Canuck land, Canuckistan. But as far as uh, as far as yourself go, and we may be going soon. I'm not exactly sure. But uh, yeah, as far as you go, did you see the stream today? I unfortunately missed a lot of it. No problem. Later on, watch the stream. I would love to know what you think. All right. And I I think that we may be uh maybe ending right now. Usually, what I do is I okay. announce that we're going to have wait, this. Wait, uh, hold up. Okay. I, I want to thank you, Lev. I just want to say thank you right. because uh, you have identified a niche that was actually weirdly not uh, filled for providing a platform for people to talk from all different sides in different places. Um, and it is supremely interesting, frankly. Um, and though I disagree with uh, Clive and his kind of mainstream opinions, um, it just reminds me of that Santa meme where it's like, like, Dad, is Santa <laughs> No, son. Imagine how many people would have to be in on it. <laughs> well, I have, a, I, have a, I have a final question for you then, King Salmonfish. Do you think that yes. towards the end, uh, and you watched the whole stream, right, from beginning, well, the end of pair, uh, especially, right? Um, I, I missed a little bit in the middle because I had to do some, like, business work. Mm, but you saw the end? Yes. Okay, so... The final thing that Clive uh, was mentioning is that, uh, you know, that he is not in agreement with, uh, you know, these big uh, organizations, the letter agencies going after people. And in a way, it was kind of a callback to what I think is a, uh, you know, post, uh, you know, post, I don't even want to say the name for the algorithm reasons, but, you know, the thing that happened in 2001. So... He, oh. it, it it echoed, well, this anti-Iraq war journalist uh, mentality. I think there was a bit of, like, within Clive, I can't read his mind, but I think it almost echoed, like, like man, like, I don't want to be in the position of um, being somebody who is in favor of the three-letter agencies going after people. And he made that known, and I appreciate the fact that he made that known. But it is interesting how there may be a battle, I'm not saying for him, but I think for certain journalists in general, I think there may be a battle going on inside uh, their know, so the subconscious when it comes to, do I go into the direction of being like the old anti-war in Iraq uh, peacenik who's against these various three-letter agencies, or am I going to excuse the three-letter agencies because they happen to agree with the uh, woke opinions that a lot of my colleagues hold? So I'm curious if you or anybody else has any thought of, uh, on that before we go. Yes, I do. Um, first of all, I, I value the fact that he's willing to say such a thing um, because of the social pressure. I've been seeing people even in the um, like dissident sphere caving to the extreme pressure that is being applied to everyone. Um, so when I see somebody do something like that, I appreciate it very much. And my take is actually that um, within, I guess you could say, the left wing or mainstream uh, or whatever you want to call it, circles, it frankly isn't even necessarily uh, 
like the parties just switched. There was that there was that poll that came out that showed a huge swing in party affiliation, um, whereas like the Democrats don't even have the majority anymore. Um, but actually, my my understanding of the situation is that within these circles, um, a lot of people have come to realize uh, what things are true and what things are not true. Um, some of them choose to actively be fraudulent knowingly. Um, but there's like it's kind of like a lot of these ideas have been refuted and they are actually aware of it and and tasked with defending that on a regular basis. So what you're seeing is a unified projected message. But underneath the surface, I'm 100 percent sure that a large amount of these people are uh, not really on board and they're trying to like I mean, we're CNN is effectively on its last leg People are bailing left and right from all these different places. And uh, finally, certain um, like Substack and stuff like that have enough uh, like kind of normy authoritative validity for journalists to jump onto that uh, and maintain like a like a proper like normal person uh, kind of authority without becoming super fringe and blah, blah, blah. Um, but the um, the issue is still. Uh, the perception of like Substack or things like that as being, you know, it's like how much do they buy the the narrative or how much are they afraid of um, the various social pressures? And a lot of it is people, th I can respect this. It's just that people want uh, a good life. You know, they just want a life with maybe a house and some nice things. Um, and that can, you know, get into consumerism and all that, but I'm not, that's not my point. My point is people are, constantly vying and navigating through life trying to just you know derive some kind of satisfaction and obviously that can go wrong but i have to have a lot of respect for basic people and um the last point is brett uh weinstein and heather hying were talking about how in the process of uh like narrative collapse um and like the great fluctuations of the various conflicts of history and how those play out a lot of people are just um, they're literally who's, you know, and, and they were talking about like having to address that and like how we would focus on the people who are just going to like shift over to the next thing and act like they were there the whole time, you know, um, and like trying to hold accountable the small players, um, or give them forgiveness appropriately so that like this kind of thing doesn't continue to happen over and over again. So, um, I do feel that forgiveness and like having to air out some of these things is definitely very necessary. But there are there are absolutely certain limits that are incredibly extreme type situations at which I personally don't. Uh, I just don't. I just don't do that anymore. You know, I just don't put up with it. It's like something has to like stop, kind of thing. You know. Um, but that's it. Excellent. That was uh, really well said. And also for uh, Tux loves you. Listen, if you brought yes. if you brought that into the ether right now, the idea of Jim coming on BTR, let's do it. Let's ask Jim. Uh, since B, I mean, look, what do we have right now? We have we have Ethan Ralph's uh, show, the Kill Stream, and what does the Kill Stream yes. do? The Kill Stream brings on people who are <laughs> internet famous people who yes. you know have a certain notoriety within the internet to uh, argue. And that's great. I, you know, they've been doing it a lot longer than I have. But what BTR does is kind of like what we saw today. 
nobody does what BTR does when it comes to bringing in people who are actually who have never heard of Ethan Ralph, who have never heard of the Killstream, who have never heard of 4chan even, although that is not to say Clive heard of 4chan, obviously, but uh, in general, just people who are from this whole different world, bringing them in, also bringing in people who are, you know, U.S. generals, people who work at the, you know, we had like one of the, uh, we had one of the heads of NASA on for one of the first BTR episodes ever. So I want to continue in that tradition, and that is something that I think is, very rare in this uh, space. Michael said Glenn Greenwald. That would be interested, uh, interesting. I don't know. I have my reservations about uh, certain... It's not even the left thing with Glenn Greenwald. I think that there are certain opinions that he has, about, although it is kind of a left thing, but it's a left thing that I disagree with him having specifically to do with foreign policy. And I'm not saying that I'm a foreign policy uh, hawk, neocon, whatever. I just believe that... Uh, I don't know. I believe that certain certain actions that are done for profiteering are very bad, obviously, the military-industrial complex, but I also believe that there are such things as gaps of power. When you leave a certain region, what ends up happening to it, all these things have to be uh, have to be weighed. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Glenn Greenwald, obviously, that would be a very, very interesting uh, guest. And uh, let's see what else. Uh, I want to also comment before we go on um, King uh, Salmonfish, and I really appreciate it, brother. I really appreciate all the amazing things uh, you have, Jim and Anita on BTR, WebAm Aristocrat. I wonder, by the way, if WebAm Aristocrat, if you got that moniker from uh, Jim since he was the internet aristocrat. But uh, anyway, I really like what you have to say, King Salmon. One other thing I wanted to comment on that conversation that we had with Clive is um, I mentioned that people who speak with pollsters or journalists who ask their opinion, they are, I think, going to be a lot more honest with, let's say, whether they support Trump or some other politically incorrect opinions that, uh, that we have. But I have been noticing that there is this downplaying of the extent to which people are self-censored in the workplace. I mean, sure, you could say, oh, the workplace is not for politics. I agree. But it doesn't matter. It still is for politics in terms of there are certain politics that people have to abide by. And that's very subtly created. It's not something that you can outright point to and say, this is how it's done. I think it's little things and just how people are forced to perceive the world and how people are supposed to think about various things. I think it creeps in. And I'm not saying the workplace is the place to discuss dissident politics but as far Mm. as where your mind can even venture to i think just the peer pressure from work places from after work places from your general community within a lot of these urban centers i think it does force you into a percussion bed or what of what you are and aren't allowed to think so i don't know what to say that is uh, something i uh, to work on i i have a weird take on this right so um I've kind of been like I, I was looking up memes about the show Bleach and the concept of spiritual pressure. Um, part of it was a discussion I was having with my friend about Tim Pool and how um, Tim Pool. Everyone kind of knows that he's very self censorious because of YouTube, um, and like that's just kind of how that is. And that's become sort of a, a major problem. And uh, specifically, I have a I have a weird take on. Uh, there is one particular word in the English language that has been leveraged so much 
as to basically be the root of um like censorship of words as being like you can't say that and unfortunately that is the n-word right and what happens what i realized with myself is i don't like that word i don't like um you know like the the dehumanizing concept that everyone is so upset about um but when you cannot speak a word it becomes this repressive pressure that like builds inside of you and you'll go like insane with anything like that you'll start to go insane so i just decided uh my outlet for that is to literally just say i reserve the right to say literally whatever i want um and then the argument about about consequences or whatever but i'm not going to say it in almost any circumstance because like i don't really like the word i don't really you know like if i'm making a joke or something with one of my friends honestly like, sure. I mean, I'll say literally anything pretty much um, as long as like it's in a gr small group of friends that are, you know, n we know we're being ignorant and stupid or something. Um, but like otherwise, that's the problem. This this singular word has kind of been leveraged into an entire list of words that you cannot say. And they're all effectively rooted in the same uh, like the same kind of like victimization or dehumanizing, like weaponized empathy uh, control over language. Um, and so I don't know, like it, when you have people in the workplace, um, and like, you're, you're right, you know, you're not, you're like, if you have any common sense, you're not just going to talk about whatever when you're on the job site or whatever, but at the same time, these lead to repressive, like subconscious forces that cause people sometimes even to form like extreme sexual fetishes and stuff like that as an outlet um, and so like that can be expressed in a whole bunch of different ways, which could include your entire political ideology, just being some kind of like Freudian, you know, like, I don't know, some kind of just outlet for a repressed thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, my, my take is that a lot of people are faced with this right now and, um, it's all just swept under the rug, but the reality is, is that the attrition rates are completely out of control and the whole thing is just collapsing in on itself because human nature is going to win that fight. It just is. You, you know who I would really like to have on as kind of as kind of a non sequitur ish, but have you ever uh, thought about having James Lindsay on? Well, th thought of it. I mean, okay, you know what? Let's do it. If you think that James Lindsay and yes, you know what? I should stand up more for BTR. So yes, James Lindsay should have no problem coming on BTR at all. I'm going to bring him in. I mean, look, I know people who know James. I think it's something that can actually be done. So there is no reason not to. Oh, that'd be so epic. Yeah. So with that, guys, thank you so much for watching. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, the fact that you are all here. And as soon as this episode ends, you are going to see a link in fact let me post that link uh, regardless you are going to see a link to the gnostic uh, debate stream which is happening everybody's confirmed it's not happening tomorrow though it is happening on monday at 7 p.m it was supposed to happen the earlier monday now it's happening this monday so be prepared for that i'm very very excited for uh, gnostic stream neil is going to be back miguel connor of aeon bite which has been around for a very long time that is coming back too. So here, let me just post it over here. And let me try one final thing before we go. So, although I don't know if it's going to work on this screen. Oh, it's going to work on this screen if I switch to, uh, let's see, foreground. No, 
Let's see. Oh, here we go. Left camera. Hold on. No, that's not it. Why is my camera not showing here? Left camera is supposed to. Okay. Activate, activate. I don't know. Look, sometimes these things work. Sometimes they don't. I don't know why I'm down here lower with my chin almost on the ground. But either way, we're going to figure these things out as we go along. And I really appreciate everybody watching. Mwah! Good night, everybody. Take care. Good night.